I think I have my Ninja Turtle stuff. I think it's up in the attic somewhere, probably. Along with, like, all the real Ghostbuster stuff I used to have. The Proton Packs yeah. we used to play Proton with. Proton Packs are probably still up there, yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Firehouse is probably somewhere. The Ecto-1. If I dug into my parents' attic, I am sure I would find stuff like that. Yep, but... My mom threw all my shit out. Well, it's, it was whenever we moved from our old house to the house down, right down the street from Ryan, and, and this is, I mean, I was probably, I was like nine, I think, ten, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my mom was like, oh, it must have all got lost when we moved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, yeah, my in ass the crash. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah, my dad's a, he keeps like all these fucking Wheaties boxes from the nineties. Like, <laughs> gives a shit. They're worth two dollars. Do they still have Wheaties in them? You know what? I probably. <laughs> That's gonna bring up the resale value, right? No, it is still a full box of cereal. <laughs> okay, three dollars. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Braggina Super Friends, where we are one with the Force and the Force is with us. I'm your host, Brian Labick, and my guests for this week are Mike Romano. I can feel the Force. That's good. You're going to need it for this review. And Mike Bradley. You stole mine, Brian. I was going to do that, but <laughs> it's already done, so I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I didn't have a backup plan. It's one of the so. best lines from the movie. you got to put it in the intro somewhere. Yeah, I was just hoping that was going to be me. That's... <laughs> Always have a plan B. Well, too late. <laughs> uh, Alright, so if you haven't guessed, even from the intro, title of the episode, any of that stuff, we will be finally be talking about Rogue One. It's finally come out. We've all had a chance to see it, some of us, numerous times. Um, But before we really get into, I guess, the nitty-gritty of the movie, our impressions and all that stuff, I still feel like, even with this movie coming out this past weekend, people are still confused as to when the hell this movie takes place in the Star Wars timeline. So we're going to try to spell it out as clearly as possible. And If the you've best seen w- the movie and you're still confused, come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not thinking yeah. it's people that have seen the movie, but just like from advertisements and stuff, even the commercials apparently aren't spelling it, en- spelling it out enough for people that they're still okay. just being confused with what this movie is about. So, again, we'll try to clarify this for anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet so you sort of have a better understanding what you're in for. Um, If you are familiar with Star Wars, I'm assuming you've seen uh, Episode 4, which was A New Hope, first Star Wars movie that came out in 1977. The opening crawl for that movie is basically what Rogue One is. Now, I I typed up the opening crawl, so I'll read it for you just so you have some context. The opening crawl for A New Hope starts with, it is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships, striking from a hidden base, have won their first victory against the Empire. During the battle, Rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. 
Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian to the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Those first three sentences, period of civil war, rebel spaceships attacking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the Empire. During the battle, rebel spies made to steal secret plans to the Death Star. That's the movie. <laughs> In three sentences. That somebody, I think that was pretty much the pitch that John Knoll, who works for ILM, pitched this to Lucasfilm, looked at the opening crawl and said, has anybody ever really told that story? I think that would be a good story to tell. So that's where the idea came from. Literally, they got it from another Star Wars movie. <laughs> so, this is, it's, it's I don't want to say, like, episode 3.5, because that would, you'd think it takes place, like, right in the middle between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. This is much closer to A New Hope. It's like 3.875. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. A, that's like seven eights. I think it's, like, <laughs> I think one of the shows we did before, we talked about one of the trailers, I think Andy described it best. Which is still sort of convoluted, but I think he said it, it's, he described it as uh, the sequel to the prequels, but a prequel to the originals. So if you sure. can follow that logic, that's that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that that clarifies some stuff for you. This is not a third Death Star; it is the first Death Star. We are not watching Episode Eight. This is not an episode; it's in between the episodes. It's 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 clarifying and setting up what came before so there just hopefully that again helps you guys out put some context to it hopefully people are less confused now when we move forward and start talking about what we thought of the movie um and i know we're itching to talk about details but before we really get into the the nitty-gritty and all the spoilery details of all we want to talk about i do just want to start with just some general impressions what we thought of the film so if anyone listening Again, hasn't seen the film, now that they know where it takes place, they can sort of get our general thoughts on what we thought and if it's worth checking out for them. Uh, so, overall impressions, general impressions, uh, basically, more or less, did you guys like it and what you can say about it without getting into specifics? Either Mike can go first. I, I, if I just call on Mike, that's going to confuse everyone. Go ahead, Mike, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I would say I thought this was a fantastic movie. Um, I feel like whoever was in charge of casting made choices based on really quality actors. Um, you know, like at first it's always a hesitant step when they're going to go off in a new direction, which is what this is doing since it's not an official episode for Star Wars. And... I, you know, there's some hesitation as a fan of how this is going to go. And you see them take the time to go out and find quality actors like Diego Luna, like Forrest Whitaker, like Felicity Jones. And you start to feel a little bit better about how things are going to go. Um, and it it really did touch on all the notes that it had to touch on for it to work. Um, I'm trying to work through my mind of not spoiling anything before we <laughs> put the spoiler alert in. But um, Do you need some time to think? Should we pass it off to other Mike? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, my, my final basic thoughts on it would be that this ranks among, at the very least, my top three uh, Star Wars movies that I have seen. Um, 
and I will get into further reasoning for that with spoilerific stuff later. Fair um, enough. Uh, Mike won. What did you think? Uh, I liked it. I thought I thought it was good. It was um, it was kind of warish. So it was like an actual Star Wars. That's yeah. That's what they were going for. And I I, I liked it. I kind of I because I was I was I was hesitant of this because, like like Mike said too, it was it's the first. It's not an episode. Yeah. So who the hell knew what was going to happen? And I remember I think I remember, I remember talking about this a while ago. Um, I liked it. I don't know if I'd put it in my top three. Definitely top four or five. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I gotta put the original three first. And then, like, I, I, I got maybe about to see it again, but right now Force Awakens is sitting in front of it still, just because, just, I don't know, I don't know. I know it was basically A New Hope written over again. <laughs> I get that, I get that. But it was still just, just awesome. So I would say it's it's maybe once I see it again, maybe I need to maybe like let it like wash over me yeah, again, yeah, and, and maybe and maybe feel it again. But uh, I, I I like that it. it's it's a great movie. I mean the acting was awesome, special effects, the practical effects were great. Even the the digital effects that they use for some things that well I'm sure we'll talk about later. Probably one of the best were, space battles in any of yeah. these movies. Yeah, the space yes. battles were cool. Yeah, I yeah, it was it was neat. I really liked it. I have I have my my one couple complaints, but I'm sure we'll save that for later. But all right, overall overall, it was it's it's definitely worth it to go see. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much and on. I, the... I will own it. I'll, I'll buy it. It's <laughs> not his. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on the same page with you guys. I agree with a lot of what you said. I do think it's like the the choices in actors and actresses. I think were fantastic. The uh, the effects were great. The the warish tone was good. It had a little bit more like the the boots on the ground type of feel to it. It was very wartimey. Uh, makes the rebels, I think, seem a little bit less squeaky clean than they do in the originals, which yeah. is good. Uh, starts out a little bit slow, I think, because everybody's sort of scattered. But I think by the time everybody starts to come to come together and cross paths, the movie picks up from there. Um. Yeah. I th- I think the ending was perfect in what I expected and wanted. Yeah. Uh, that hit pretty much. If you've listened to other podcasts that we've done where we sort of theorized what we wanted to see, that was, I think it pretty much hit the nail on the head for what we talked yeah. about and what they actually did. Oh yeah, I think that's. Pre- I think we both said that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and listen, but from what I vaguely remember, I think we we hit on all the right stuff. Uh, so yeah, I think again we all enjoyed it. I definitely think if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth seeing. Worth seeing. I mean, any Star Wars movie in the theater is worth seeing. So, definitely, I definitely have, get a chance to see it. I, I have seen this movie three times. I saw it in IMAX 3D. I saw it in standard 3D in a D box, and I saw it in a standard 2D uh, version. And having, I, I, I wanted to experience it in every way possible. Um, <laughs> And I would, (laughs) yeah, I did exactly. And I would say, honestly, as much as I want to see it make more money, and so they can do as many of these as possible, um, 2D was probably the best experience all around. Yeah, the 3D Um, or D box didn't do it for you. The 3D, uh, a couple of the effects we'll talk about later, did not hold up as well as they did in 2D. Oh, okay. Um, 
And D-Box, I feel like it just needs to go. I, <laughs> I did the, I've done both of the new Star Wars movies in D-Box, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for that, you know, the cool space battle where it feels like you're moving exactly as the Starfighter's moving, and it's just not happening. So um, wait, what's, virtual what's, reality. What's, what's D-Box? You gotta, you gotta fill me in on this. Uh, the, the seat vibrates, it moves, it's, you know, like, it, it, for instance, like, in a couple of the scenes where the starfighters are going, it'll lean a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, depending on what uh-huh. they do. And the seat, like, if an explosion goes off, the seat will rumble huh. and make you actually feel that explosion. And hey, hold on. Where do you get, where do you go watch that at? Uh, the Pittsburgh Mills Cinemark has it. Oh, huh. Um, but I, I don't honestly think it's for long because they charge way too much for it. <laughs> um, and it's just not, it, it's, it's a cool thing, but it feels kind of like the rumble pack for N64 to me. <laughs> like it, it, it's cool, but it's unnecessary in every way. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think it would only be necessary if you, if you were doing like, like first person stuff, like point of view stuff. Yeah. To make I, but, you, you know feel like you're actually like, moving with it. I mean, it, it. I actually think for a horror movie, it would be interesting to add more to the jump scare with the rumble, because it, you know, I mean, it definitely true. gives you a little bit of a jolt when an explosion you weren't expecting to go off goes off. Um, yeah. But I, I don't. I, I would say watch this movie in 2D, uh, personally, to steer us back around to Star Wars here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say 2D was the cleanest version of it that I saw, um, and I always kind of, I don't always prefer to see movies in 2D, Say, so, I mean, some of the 3D effects they have these days are incredible, I just didn't feel like they were there for this movie. Fair enough. Alright, we've got our preferred viewing experience, you've got what I what we've thought of the uh, the movie itself, so hopefully that's enough for you to decide whether or not you want to see this movie. And for the rest of you... We're about ready to go into spoilers, I think. So this is your spoiler alert. Uh, we're going to get into the plot details, all the spoilery goodness for Rogue One. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, you don't want to be spoiled, you can pause us now, come back to us after you see the movie. Otherwise, continue at your own risk, because we're going spoilery. So last warning, this is your spoiler warning for Rogue One. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, so we are now into the spoiler territory. Uh, I don't... I like I have my bullet points of like questions and stuff I want to bring up, but we'll just start. I don't know. Is there anything specifically you guys want to start with that's jumping out at you? I love Donnie Yen's character. Well, start yeah. with Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. I love his character. Yeah, Donnie Yen works. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to get it? Like, are we going to debate whether or not he's actually force sensitive, or is that, is this going to be a thing? Well, I feel like the movie I, plays it very vague. I personally have my own theory on that. Um, I, I actually believe. Chirrut Imwe is a character that had Anakin and the Empire and Order 66 not gone after and destroyed all the Jedi. He may have actually been a Jedi had there been someone to train him when he was young. Um, well, he's he not that old, chose... right? So, I mean, he could have been no. picked up when he was younger. What do you mean? If he's not that old, that would mean that they were gone... Or, yeah, I see your logic. I yeah, okay. Yeah, 
Well, how, um, like, how old do we think he is? Like, because if, if he's like thirty-ish, thirty-five years old, like Order sixty-six was probably about twenty years ago, so he could have been picked up before he was ten. Right, but we, none of his training would have been truly completed or even thoroughly started. So you um, think he's half trained, or you think he just wasn't trained at all? Possibly one or the other. Like he would have uh, been a actually... Padawan at the time when. Okay. I, I mean, I have no evidence either way, so I can't, you know. But if I had to guess, I'd yeah. say he never was trained. But, you know, it's one of those things where he doesn't have a lightsaber. And I guess what we learned from the Clone Wars is that when they are fairly young, if they're being trained, they go to get their kyber crystals and earn them to make yeah. their first lightsaber. Um, So he would have something of a lightsaber if he were trained before, I would believe. Because it seems like that's a very early step in the process. So, I think it's fair to assume that he was not trained, but that he may very well have been... Uh, I hate to go this what route, if he but was he... Like a, what, a, what if he was like a... like What was it, like the Temple Guardians or whatever they were? Yeah. Well, they were Jedi. They were? I think well, they were maybe talk- like lower tiered Jedi. I don't know if they're full on like Jedi Knights or anything like that. I think they were that's right. why they were guards. Yeah, they weren't Jedi oh, Knights. Okay. They weren't Jedi Masters, but they were Jedi. Like they, uh, they may okay. have been well, Jedi that didn't pass the trials. I, I would think they couldn't pass the trials to become knights. Perhaps. I think like Romano, I think my my thinking is sort of more maybe in line with yours. I don't think his character is force sensitive. I think he's, you know, the force is almost like a religion to to people. So I think it's just like more faith in the force and not necessarily force sensitivity. Yeah, but he's blind and he can dodge blasters and he can kick ass blind. So I'm going to go with he has to have, he's got to be force sensitive. He has to be. If he is, I'm not giving him a lot, like very, very minimal force abilities. My biggest he's thing. Like, he's like the Matt Murdock of the Star Wars world right now. Yeah, and I, you know, I feel like there has to be people in this universe that are talented in what they do, but are he's not a superhero, but not a real big superhero. He's not. He don't have the super in the superhero. <laughs> well, well, does that give I would powers say... or not. That's that's where I'm sort of trying to draw the line, I guess. Well, the the case I would make for it is sure. Yeah, he kicks a bunch of stormtroopers' asses, and that's cool. He can hear the moving, and that's cool. But the guy fires a rifle at a TIE fighter and crashes it into a turbo laser. Yeah. That to me is... shit going on. That, that's beyond just simple skill. To me, that, like, that, like, the other stuff can be skill. That can be Daredevil-esque, just, you know, skill. But firing a rifle at a TIE fighter, managing to bring it down with a simple, you know, rifle... And also managing to get it to crash into the turbo laser that's wreaking havoc on the fighters in the air. Is... Now, see, playing devil's advocate, like I'd, I'd attribute the the tie fighter going into the turret is just happy coincidence. Shooting down the tie fighter is probably just like your other senses are more attuned. So maybe just the sound of the tie fighter coming around, he could judge distance and where it's going to fly and where it's at and fire the shot. Sure. But I don't know. I like it. So we're saying the most impressive thing this character does is a happy accident. 
Um, I, yeah, that's sort of where I'm arguing, I guess, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think okay. there's a way to prove one way or the other, but that's the way I'm no. interpreting, and that's the way I'm, I'm figuring. I, I just don't think, I think the, that that I think happens this universe, by happy accident. I, I think this universe and this movie works better if there are no Force-sensitive people in it. I mean, minus Darth Vader. Well, I think one way or the other, he is Force-sensitive. I mean, j- just because somebody... You know, not everybody who's Force-sensitive gets trained, keep in mind as well, because they didn't even want to train Anakin in the first place. Yeah. Because he was too old, uh, was their quote. I mean, we're going back to Phantom Menace stuff here, but it, you know, it, not that that's a good thing to do. But we are... It, it is the case, so I don't necessarily think that... He he's not a Jedi, obviously. He's not Jedi level. Right. But right. he he has some attunement with the force. Yeah. To some level there. They, they there's something going on there. It's not you know it's not as complete, but it's there, I, I think. I, I I don't know. It, it's hard to, the other stuff, like I said, can be explained. I just can't explain that one away as nothing. And also the walking through with faith to the master switch. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, he's that's blind. awfully he coincidental. Can't tell who's shooting at him and how close they're missing him. He's just walking. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. It'd be, like he's a character that is very hard for me to say one way or the other for certain. I just lean towards, yeah, he has some force sensitivity there. Yeah. I mean, I realize I'm being, you know, probably outvoted here, but that's just where my opinion lies, I think. I think for for being a spinoff movie where they try to focus on people not being Jedi, throwing in force-sensitive people and people that can use the force in different ways kind of detracts from what this movie should be, to me, anyway. Sure. And, I mean, like... I don't think he actually actively uses the Force. It's very passive in the way that he uses it. it you know, I mean, he's so he not... can listen to it, but he can't use it. Yeah. He can use it to okay, see I, what's I going to that. happen. But, well, it's like you Maz Kanata. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, she can listen to it. She can't use it. the Force, she but can... she can listen. Yeah, she can feel it. Yeah. But I feel yeah, like that, you guys uh, are saying that he's using the Force to shoot down the TIE Fighter. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can feel it, and it just, that's what helps him help heightens his senses. I would say if he was trained by a Jedi, he would have been a Jedi. Is what I was getting at. Is that he has that Force sensitivity there? It's just not attuned enough to actually be a Jedi because he never trained properly. Okay, so I think you're giving him more Force sensitivity than I would like him to have. Like, okay. I, I'm thinking even if, like, the Jedi were around, he's at the peak of what he would do right now. Okay. Sort of like what Mike, what Mike's comparing to, like, to Maz. Like, she can maybe hear it, and maybe it influences a decision or something here and there, but actually using the Force and be able to, to Force push and read minds and stuff like that, even with training, I don't think can happen with him. No. Well, I mean, let's not also forget that he can sense the kyber crystal around Jin's neck. Ooh, that's right. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, that, that I mean that that's another big one that I had forgotten until just now. But he well, that could still be. I don't. I still don't think that determines like power level or anything like that. I can understand if like the force is 
again, like talking to him, like if he's listening to the will of the force or something like that, like they sort of hint at where it's just, I don't know. He, he can, he can listen to it. Like we keep saying, I think that's, that could give him the ability to maybe feel the Kyber crystal. So you're saying he's just basically to you in your eyes, he's just pure force monk. Yeah. He's, he's a monk yes. of the force and he knows how to feel it. He knows how to interpret it, but he doesn't know how to use it. Correct. Yes. I can accept that. <laughs> we've, came to, we've come to a happy medium. After, yeah. After I, 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 I can accept that. I, I still like to think of him as having been a potential Jedi, but I, 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 can, I can go along with the idea of just pure Force Monk that just can't use it. I mean... I mean, don't get me wrong. I I love the Jedi. I want to see Jedi, but I don't want every movie to have a Jedi somewhere in the Star Wars movies. Like, it, they, the Jedi and stuff like that can be relegated to the saga movies for all I care. If they keep doing these spinoff movies, I don't need Jedi to be popping up in all these spinoff movies. I mean, I need at it makes least the... a... I, I was just going to say, I need at least a couple where the Jedi and Sith are the main focus if we ever get an old Republic movie. Um, oh, I'd be awesome. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally on board with that. But I don't think again, like a Han Solo movie does not need Jedi in it. If a Jedi shows up in that movie, I it will probably distract from the experience of a Han Solo movie for me. There shouldn't be a Jedi in that movie, right? That's what I mean. I mean, although you so once again, don't don't you know, cross your fingers. But the, it, I don't want to get your hopes up. You may see Ezra or Kanan in Han Solo, possibly. I Why feel not? Like, right, They've had interaction really with Lando. Sidetracked here, but, right, I, I, just but they, I think they, the, at the time period, like I think Lando and Han have already, like the the point the the part you're going to see of Lando and Han in the Han Solo spinoff movie is before Lando crosses paths with Kanan and Ezra. Okay. Lando does not have the Falcon, so he's obviously lost it. He's looking for ships when they find him, so he's obviously lost yeah. the Falcon to Han Solo. Which is probably going to be, a, I would think, a part of this Han Solo movie. We think. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. I, we don't know for sure. But Han meeting Chewie and getting the Falcon and meeting Lando and all that stuff, I feel like should happen in the Han Solo spinoff movie. That being the case, it would be prior to Rebels and Lando's appearance there. True. I so Part of me be... just... It, it, I think that's just the only possibility of a Jedi showing up. Yeah. Because there shouldn't be any other Jedi that we know of at this point that are still out there at that time. But technically, except since for maybe they. Maybe Shakti. Again, none that we know of, but since in Revenge of the Sith they reprogrammed the message to warn any surviving Jedi to stay away from the temple because it's a trap, there could conceivably be as many Jedi out there as they want to throw in a story and just say, oh, well, they escaped Order 66 because of the warning. True. And I guess since the Force Unleashed is no longer canon. I mean, it, we know at least that Shock T is alive. Yes. That's the only one I can think that would be definitely confirmed as alive. Because the other Jedi that you take down for that game, they're not part of canon. Yeah, and we I see recall. a lot of them. Most of the ones I think we see in the movies all get exterminated by Revenge of the Sith anyway, so... Yes. Any of the ones from the prequels anyway should be wiped out that we've seen on screen. I'll say yes. Um, all right, I want to move us along because I think we're getting way too in-depth and sidetracked with Force sensitivity and where Jedi should be showing up. 
Uh, anything else were, that stood out to the movie that you guys want to talk about? Um, my my first talking point in mind was I had a holy shit moment when they actually had Tarkin turn around. When I was the first time I watched that movie. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. We're going to get the back of Tarkin. We're going to get yeah. a little bit of the Peter Cushing sounding voice. And then that's going to be it. That's going to be all they give us. And then he turns around and it's this incredible CGI version of Tarkin. And it's just like. Yeah, because that shot, you could see his reflection in the window. And his face and was, was yeah. there the on the window. Time. Yeah. And it's not like he was just like, that was it. That was the only time he was in the movie. He was like, I don't even know, not a main character, but he was definitely had several parts in that movie, which was phenomenal. Yeah, it's a lot more than I expected. And I was going to ask you guys what you thought of the CG faces, because he's not the only CG face we get. No. No. We get a lot um, less of her, but we also get Princess Leia's CG face. Which is awesome. I felt like his was incredibly well done, and hers was well done, but not as well done. And I think that's also some part on they took more time with his because he played such a role and they didn't take quite as much time on hers because hers was, you know, yeah. you get, what, maybe three seconds of her facing the screen there. So, yeah. given the significance, I think they did a much better job with Tarkin than with Leia, but I only think that because they did such an incredible job with recreating Peter Cushing and, you know, honestly, all the credit in the world I can give to Guy Henry. Um, Is he the guy that did the, the motion capture, or was there on set for that? He's the guy that acted the entire thing, and they replaced him. That's his voice. That's his. That's that's him. Okay. Guy Henry is, if you don't know, a former Sherlock Holmes. Um, took over not long after Peter Cushing. Um, okay. And that was why they went after him, is because they kind of molded his Sherlock Holmes around Peter Cushing's version. Um, mm-hmm. And he did an incredible job, and he was 100% willing to go into this movie and say, my face is never going to appear on screen, I am acting as Peter Cushing. You know, like, he was taking... You know, like, they kept it under wraps as best they could. They had Guy Henry cast, but they had nothing about that going on. They didn't, you know, like, if you looked on anything, nowhere did Grand Moff Tarkin appear next to his name. Yeah. At all. So, it it was something they did very well to keep under wraps, and they did just amazing work with getting him to do everything, and then they just kind of CGI'd over the guy. And it's like... Yeah, yeah, I that, sort of have a just a follow up question. Do you? Because I I feel like this is one of the more controversial parts of this movie is the CGI effects that they can do to actors and actresses now. Sure. And you know, some people say it's believable. I think we're we're all in that camp. I think it worked really well in this movie. But there's a lot of people that say it distracts from the performance. And for instance, like Tarkin is an important character, but I feel like with Krennic, there might not have been a reason that you needed to put Tarkin in this story. I feel like the same story could have been told without Tarkin there. Same with Leia. Um, like, you could have had Leia, like, when they opened the door with the plans, you could have seen her from the back. There's no reason for her to turn around. Mm-hmm. It still gets the same point across. With Leia, I agree. With with Tarkin, I'm going to disagree. Because Tarkin plays a lot into Krennic's story arc here. And that 
you have to But I mean, why Tarkin? Tarkin? You could put another Admiral or Grand Moff or somebody there. Why does it have to be Tarkin? Because Tarkin, Tarkin was... Tarkin. He's the number three guy. He's the guy that Krennic wants to be. You know, he he is the man okay. that Krennic is, achieve, is aspiring to be. So, I feel like that's why. Um, but to that point, I would have perfectly accepted Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, <laughs> I, I would have been just as happy with that as I was with Tarkin. Um, yeah, seeing him on... Grand Admiral Thrawn on screen probably would have been the second holy shit moment type of thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would have been just... Wow. Um, but we we didn't get that, and that's okay. But I would say Does anyone that... else think it's really weird that now they can effectively bring people back from the dead with this effect? Yeah. It's awesome. Like, Peter Cushing died in what, like, 91, 93? I thought it was the 80s. I thought I thought he lasted till the nineties, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, it, Either it, way, like what, he's been dead for a good twenty, thirty years, and yet they have him in a movie. Yes, that came out this year. Well, but this it, like instantly after I like after I was done with that. Oh my God! There's Grand Moff Tarkin moment. What went through my mind was, holy shit! It may not matter who they cast as Han Solo. Um. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, like because if they're that good now, at the rate that where technology progresses, could they do this for the star of a movie in two years? So we're not going to see Alden Enrich's fight. I can't even say his name. Alden Enrich's face. They're just going to CG Harris, young Harrison Ford over top of him. I don't think they're going to do that, but it gives me hope that they might. <laughs> just, you, just you don't because, want to see like, Alden's face I don't want to think of Han Solo as anybody but Harrison Ford it's nothing yeah. against this kid it's just it's Han Solo like it, you know You're it's right. like when the eventual recasting of Indiana Jones happens I'm going to be completely not on board um, <laughs> you know like it, it it's just one of those things where if it was Han Solo and it actually was Harrison Ford there Holy crap! That like, how much better would that be? Yeah, like yeah. if they could just do even better than they did with Tarkin, but for Han Solo, my god, that would be amazing. And then they could just have Harrison Ford voice the damn thing and great. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I mean, I think that was huge. But that was one of the things I was talking about with the 3D difference. Um, that effect that they did did not hold up as well in 3D, in my opinion. Oh, the faces? Um, yes. Oh, really? I just, in 3D, it was definitely off a little bit. Which makes sense, because it's a, you know, it's a very complicated effect that they had to pull off to make it even work in 2D. And I'm sure it was ten times harder to make it look good in 3D. And it, it yeah. just, I don't know, it threw me off a little bit in 3D. So okay. a lot of the complaints you might be hearing from people around message boards or friends and family that you see complaining about it may have seen it in 3D, and it was not as impressive. Hmm. Yeah, I guess there were the articles that I read talking about it, like different reviewers and stuff online, I don't think they specified how they saw the movie, whether it was 2D or 3D. 
So I re- I don't know if that's the that could be why, but right. Uh, Romano, you got anything stuck out to you that you want to talk about? I got a couple complaints. Uh oh, complaints and grievances. Complaints. No, I mean, okay. So we put this movie right before episode four, but then they made. They made comments and left pictures of Star Wars Rebels. Okay? You see the ghost, or what could be the ghost. Uh-huh. You hear General Sandula. So, if General Sandula is still around, where the hell are the two other Jedi at? Well, I think that's we a... may get the answer to that in Rebels before the end of the series. Yeah. I, I guess. But, I mean, it's just that, and then the fact that, like, we introduced all these new vehicles... And never once seen him in any of the other movies. Which new vehicle? Uh, the TIE the Interceptor. The U-Wing. Not the Interceptor, it was the TIE Striker. The Striker, yeah, whatever, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So it's like, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I just, that, that stuff like that just irritates me that we introduce new vehicles, and but we've never seen him in any of the other movies. So what the hell happened to him? Was that the only one that they had? Well, I think they try to, at least for the cartoon Rebels, they try to specify that certain different Rebel cells had different uh, weapons and vehicles just for that specific cell. That's why you see A-Wings and uh, I think it's mostly A-Wings that fly around with Hera and her Rebel ships. And that's why you don't see many a I don't think any A-Wings attack the first Death Star because for that no, Rebel but they- cell, they had Y-Wings and X-Wings and that was it. They they are in the rebel shipyard though. In at Yavin. Yes, they're in the background. Okay. When all they're right, all loading totally up and whatnot. It, it, I I I remember seeing this before about it that there, there there's a couple spots where you see them in the background. I don't know if it might be the version that's not remastered or the newest version that is. Whatever version it is, they are there. All right, so we'll say for just for the sake of argument that they're being worked on. They're they're scrounging resources. They haven't fixed up A wings yet for that cell, so they only have X wings and Y wings to work with. It could be the same thing with the Empire. I, I but I'm back to what about the U wing Jedi thing. The U wing, yeah. I've only seen what we saw two of them, so I think they've got to be in short supply. I, I feel like each one of them has their own purpose, though. The X wing is your standard, you know, go to starfighter. The Y-Wing's your bomber, the A-Wing is your stealthy speed fighter, and the U-Wing's your troop transport. Yeah. You know, so I feel like given that they give gave them each a specific purpose, that they would all, you know, kind of need to be Well, with around. that mentality, what what's the troop transport going to do about, against the Death Star? Nowhere in their attack well, plan is it like, we're going to land troops on the face of the Death Star. Right, but we don't see them on Hoth either. And we don't see them yeah. going to Endor, or you know, so I I, I think it, you know yeah the the U wing's not going to attack the Death Star, but it could very well have appeared elsewhere in the original trilogy. Now my point for the Tie Striker, what I was going to say about that is, um, the Striker is not necessarily a starfighter, which is maybe why we don't see them in the original trilogy. Um, they seem like they are a planet side only kind of fighter so yeah. on endor you know you don't really have much use of that with all the tree coverage they're not going to be much use hoth 
not going to be much use. You know, they they're going in for one purpose, just to blow up the power generator or the shield generator. So you know, where you get those ground battles, I don't think they would have turned up because they would have had to have been transported through space to get there for one, and also I feel like they're made on site for Imper- imperial defense. Yeah, but the the, the the X the, the tie fighter could be used as an atmosphere you know fighter too. So I mean, what would be the point of just having just only atmospheric fighters? I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying the only place we see them is planet side. You never see one in space. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so, this is the first time we've ever seen one. Yeah, well, I'm just making excuses for them, okay? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we got to do. We try to have to fill I the just, plot holes for them. What my, my yes. I got to go back to the Jedi though because like we're talking a Disney ex like so like okay, so they're not Ezra and Kanan don't exist apparently, okay? In the other movies. But like we're talking Disney XD. Do you really think they're going to kill off people in Disney XD like the main characters? No, I think Disney XD is going to kill off people. I'm I'm not saying they're going to die. I'm saying you're probably going to have an explanation why they're not there probably by the end of the, either this season or the series. I feel like it could end with just like Kanan and Ezra have to go on a quest somewhere, the two of them, which takes the Jedi out of the equation, and Hera gets called to the main rebel base to help fight this thing. Possibly. I mean, they've done it in the seasons past, where they they go about their separate ways. Yeah. The whole end of season two was all about Kanan and Ezra, and Hera was nowhere to be found. Yes. I I personally think Disney will kill them. Um, But I don't think it's going to be the way that you might expect. I, I see them simply being shot down in a starfighter. You know, they're in a battle a cheap in way to space. Go. Right. But it, it's a way that they get to explain it, that they're dead. And it can be Vader that shoots them down. You know what I mean? It I, can just, be I just can't see them killing off like, main characters like that. Well, they're gonna have to do something. I think it'd be traumatic for kids. Because all these kids nowadays are a bunch of pussies. So, like, I, I think that would be very traumatic for a child. Not too much for us, but a child. Not us big kids, kids please do keep listening. We're not trying to trophy. throw you away. Not us big kids who still watch all these shows. Yeah. Give them a participation well, Yeah, I mean, they have to explain it some way, somehow. Yeah. That's one explanation. Another one I would offer is that they go to see Yoda or Obi-Wan. And he sends them further into hiding as a backup scenario to what may happen with Luke. As a just a second line out there to continue on the Jedi that's completely hidden, that nobody knows about. So say maybe, you know, they think they killed them off in some way. You know, they, but I mean, then, but then if... If in episode seven, when Luke goes looking for the last Jedi Temple, don't you think he'd be looking for anybody else that might have been out there? Maybe we get that answer in episode eight. Maybe we We're get also looking at another like thirty-five to forty years between. Hey man, Ezra would four... still be a, a, a Ezra's only what twelve, fifteen. Ezra could be around, yeah. That's I mean, true. Yeah, Kanan, probably not, but Kanan would be, be ancient. Just a really old dude. Yeah, Kanan could just he, he... be in a new Obi Wan. That's all. I kind of I wouldn't like be surprised by is. the time Force Awakens what? happens that if Ezra is around, he's a bad guy. 
Well, you know what? Oh, yeah. Kanan, Kanan could be... Kanan would be like Luke's age. Yeah. Maybe a little bit older. No, 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 no. no. Be older. E- Ezra would be like Luke's age. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Kanan would be... So, not quite Obi-Wan's... Age. No, he wouldn't be quite Obi-Wan's age in A New Hope. He would be... He would be like Obi-Wan's age by The Force Awakens, though. Huh? Obi- Obi-Wan's dead in The Force Awakens. I'm... No, I'm saying like he would be roughly the age that Obi-Wan dies at by the time The oh, Force Awakens rolls around. by the Force time Force Awakens. I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Like, whatever age that was that Obi-Wan gets killed by Vader, that would be probably roughly Kanan's age during Force Awakens. Okay. I'll play your silly game. <laughs> See, I don't, I, for some reason, though, I don't think Kanan's that old. I don't think he's that much older than... Because it wasn't when, whenever he... I would put when, Kanan whenever around Order 30. Whenever Order 66 came out... When, whenever Order 66 came out, he was still a Padawan, wasn't he? He was a little kid, yeah. Maybe 10-ish. So that means he's 30-ish. Yeah. So, so he's got a good... 30 years. So he'd be 65. So he'd be like Luke Skywalker's age. Y- yeah. Well, Maybe a little bit older than yeah, him. Maybe five years older. Yeah. Than him. Five, ten years older than Toss. Okay. You're asking me to do math. Well, I can't do math this late. If he was ten years old or so at the time of Order 66, he would be ten years older than Luke. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the way to do quick math, Mike. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the easy math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the. Basically, we're not going to know what the hell happens to Ezra and Kanan. We're going to have to watch a TV show for that answer. Yeah. The only thing we know for sure is that the ghost and someone named General Sindula is at Yavin 4. Yes. Yes. And they are involved in this battle. I'm pretty sure someone like Pablo Hidalgo, the guy who's like in charge of the story, or at least part of the story group, I'm pretty sure confirmed that that is the ghost. And, yes. Well, uh, I just read an article on Facebook, like, you know, right before this started, that, they're, that they actually confirmed that, yes, that was her, Hera. Yeah, okay, that was the ghost. Well, the only thing that like that sort of could distract is General Sandula could mean her dad. Her dad is a general at the time. So either okay. they're, they're signaling for her dad, Cham, who's been in Rebels, and then actually in some of the extended universe canon novels and stuff like that, and in, and in Clone Wars back then. Um, So he could be at the base, maybe they're summoning him, either that or Hera got a promotion. Yeah, no, they, they, there was an article, it was... Interviewed by one of the writers, producers of the movie that it was to be Hera. So they are signaling for Hera. Correct. Okay. So yeah, because I mean, if the ghost is there, you have to assume she's piloting it. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah, so Hera does enough in between where we're at in Rebels now and Rogue One <laughs> to become a general. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if well. Rebels, the series, ends either this season or next season. Like, they're not going to... I don't think they're going to go more than five... Four, more than four seasons. I think they'll end with that and then do a different cartoon after that. Yeah, the, and I can see that. The way the series I, will end, I'm assuming, would lead right into Rogue One. Where basically, you know, whatever happens with Kanan and Ezra, they're doing their own thing, and then they get a call for Hera to report to the main rebel base for something is happening, and then it picks up and you watch Rogue One and you see the the ghost and all that stuff. It's actually you don't see her on screen, you just see the ship. So I don't know if it would be like a fitting con- fitting conclusion to the, you know, as, as an extension to the series if it ends, but... Well, here's the next question. When, whenever at the very end of the movie, when all the 
rebel ships go to jump into light speed and Vader's ship comes in and blows them all up. Yeah. One, I, I couldn't tell because it happened so fast. Was the ghost one of those ships? I thought you t- I looked at you and I you said, oh, look, there was the ghost. And I asked you, did the ghost get away? And you said yes. Oh, I didn't, did I? I'm I'm almost positive. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> see, see, maybe, that's uh, maybe, something I didn't even think of. Now I'm gonna have to watch it again and like pay close attention to it. But the ghost seems to hover around like the bottom right. left corner or yeah. left side of the frame in every shot that it's in. Yep. So I think at the time that that started, that Vader's destroyer shows up, it was somewhere in the left corner. Well, I, I like I said, I guess that's something we may have to viewing number four. Let's do it. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I like I, I don't know about that one, but yeah, I, it's something I would definitely like search on Reddit for if anybody has a clip of it. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, what did you guys think? Uh, this is the first Star Wars movie without an opening crawl. Did you like that or not like that? Like we knew it was like coming it. if you follow the headlines and stuff like that. But so I, 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 didn't I didn't like it. That. I honestly didn't realize that. I knew that there was talks that yes, or may- maybe that it wouldn't be there. Yes, it would be there. I, and I honestly completely forgot. And I was like, wait, no. Because I even said it to you. I even was like, wait, no opening, no opening crawl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they, they start with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then it just cuts to space. And then we're following a ship. I. Let me phrase it in a way that makes sense. There was a couple things that didn't. That helped this not feel like a Star Wars movie. That was one of them. The other big one is no John Williams. Mm-hmm. We we did discuss that uh, at the theater. I actually <laughs> we discussed it. No John Williams is that's an issue. But the missing the opening crawl, you know, like it, the other thing, you know, to me that is going to forever be missing from these is the 20th Century Fox. You know, like yeah, and then it goes further because you get the further 20th century fucks, and then Lucasfilm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pops up, and it goes further, and then Star Wars. Yeah, I, I, you know, for me to really feel like it's Star Wars, I almost need that at the beginning of the movie, just to sate that. that need. Yeah, I think we talked about it on the podcast one of the times that that news article hit that they were talking about not being a crawl, not having a crawl. And I, I really argued that I still wanted to see the crawl. I think that is a definitive Star Wars thing. I don't yes. think, like, granted, like you can, the the movie proves you can tell a story without the crawl. But regardless, like a, that's something that's special for a Star Wars movie. You could just throw mm-hmm. that up there and just set the stage for what is happening. The only reason I think they didn't do it, well, I don't know if it really makes that sense, but. To me, I feel like they didn't put it in because this is the first Star Wars movie that sort of jumps in time. Because it opens True. with a young Jin, and then fast forwards like ten or fifteen years ahead to well, when she's I, grown I feel, up. I feel like the opening scene was the crawl, right? Um, yeah, you know, like that whole yeah. opening scene with her as a kid, and you know, ending with Saw Gerrera opening up the hatch. That's your crawl. So, in a way, it doesn't disappoint me, because the scene was awesome, it set the tone, it lets you get to know Mads Mikkelsen as Galen Urso. It it gets you, you know, it gets you that start in to learning what director Krennic's all about, and how much of a dick he really is. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's an important part of that movie that with a crawl may have felt out of place. Yeah, I could see that. Part so, of me was thinking too, because they did have a tie-in novel. Like there was a there was a novel set right before the events of Rogue One called Rogue One Catalyst, which I think fleshes out the backstory between Galen Erso and Krennic. I feel like that's even something they could have summarized and put in a crawl. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. See, now we're talking. Now we need, you I know think... what, they, I was talking earlier today with a friend, and I we, we came to the idea that they need to make a re-edit of this movie where it has a crawl and just piece in John Williams for the sound. And then it'll be just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I still thought the music was pretty good, though. See, I don't... The only parts of the music that stood out to me were the regular Star Wars themes that are used in other Star Wars movies. Other than yeah. that, it's largely forgettable for me. I and agree. I normally like Giancchino's score. Like, he usually does a pretty good job. From what I understand, and I can't remember who was on before him, but there was another composer lined up, and that composer had to bow out because of scheduling, and Giancchino had, like, three weeks to make a score. <laughs> which is not good. Like, I'm surprised he did what he did in three weeks, but I think if he had more time, he could have done a lot better and had some better themes in there that are memorable instead of just sort of generic music. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what anybody does with Star Wars music. They're not going to live up to John Williams. It doesn't matter. Like, how hard is it? It's impossible. It doesn't matter what movie you're making. If it's John Williams or you, you've just lost. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) It's hard to get over that. It it, it was something that was actually hard for me to get over a bit of, because John Williams... Just watch Star Wars without John Williams. Just, you know, just A New Hope. Uh, Empire. Watch any of them, and take out the John Williams factor, and it loses a lot of mood. He adds so much to those movies. Better yet, do it the other way, and just listen to the soundtrack, and you can tell exactly what part of the movie you're in, and what people yes. are going through, and what you're supposed to be feeling just from the soundtrack. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, every character had their own theme. You know, like, Han Solo and Leia had a love theme. Lando had his own theme. Boba Fett had a theme. I mean, it. the Emperor's theme. I mean, good lord, there's so many of them that are so awesome, and it's just... It just was missing that. And that's, yeah. one, to me, one of the biggest detractors I had from the movie as a whole was no John Williams. And I don't understand how they couldn't get him to do it. They had a $200 million budget and they only paid one actress. I say actress because it was Felicity Jones is the only one who made seven figures to do this movie. <laughs> um, which is actually amazing. Yeah, I think everybody else... Well, what's so special about her? What the hell else has she done? Like, I, I'm... Um, she I'll was... have to look up the IMD. I know she's been in other stuff. I can't pull off the top of my head what else she's been in. She was an Academy Award nominee for some movie I've never seen. Um, oh boy! It, but she did a really good job in uh, the Stephen Hawking movie, Theory of Everything, with Eddie. That's Redmayne. the one she was that nominated was, for. Yeah, that I was have not really seen well that done. movie. She uh, was in the Amazing Spider-Man too. Yeah, that's right. She was probably supposed to be Felicia Harding. Yep, she was. Yes, yes, she was. And this is what you're 
looking at when you have somebody that's Academy Award nominated taking on the lead role for a Star Wars movie as a female, as opposed to Daisy Ridley, who's before Star Wars Force Awakens was not really anybody. Yeah, but anybody. I mean, that's that's one movie that she made, and she had, and it's just because probably because the writing and the she, directing that she had a good performance. She wasn't okay. like. She she wasn't paid high seven figures for this Star Wars movie. Um, she was just happened to be the highest it. paid person that was for it because Forrest Whitaker took a pay cut to do it. Because let's face it, he would have been the highest paid say, person in this else movie. Everything she's done has been nothing, nothing yeah. to us. But I think it's those artsy fartsy types films that are you know again like Academy nominated and all the big awards that everybody goes after when you're an actor and director and stuff like that. So they're good for the awards. You know, awards bait movies and stuff like that, but they don't mean shit to us because it's not normally stuff that we go out and see. Well, apparently this True. is like her only thing is the theory of everything because the other the other movies are all like nothing. Oh, yeah. All the same, oh, it, it, I'm it, looking at her. She was an Academy Award nomination brings with it a big pay raise. Yeah, for a short time yeah. after that movie, it's... like don't get me wrong, if this had been five years yeah. from now that they went to make this movie. And that was all she had done, and that was the only notable thing. She wouldn't have been yeah. paid that much, but that's it's true. Recent. That came out in 2014. They probably still were filming that in what 14, late late 14, early 15. Or no, probably late late 15. You talking about Rogue One? Filming Rogue One? Yeah, yeah. I probably yes. would have been sometime last year, within the last year. And they probably signed her so. months before that, so. You're talking, you know, it was fresh, it was big, it was something to the people that care that much about cinema. But at the same time, if Forrest Whitaker were to get his normal fee, (laughs) you know, his salary would be through the roof. And it was one of those things, I had the conversation with my wife that like, yeah, you know, Daisy Ridley was never going to make as much as Harrison Ford for The Force Awakens. It just never was going to happen. Fuck no. Because, <laughs> because he's Harrison Ford. The man's Indiana Jones. He's Han Solo. He's it's get off my Harrison plane. Harrison fucking Ford, okay? <laughs> yeah. They, they dumped a truckload of money in his front door and said, here, do this. We'll kill him off, too. Yeah. He was, he, well, I remember, there, I remember seeing a, a thing. He was the highest paid. Um, yeah person the actor and it would like by like a substantial amount where like i think you could have totaled up the other main characters like we're talking even mark hamill um well mark hamill didn't deserve to be paid much for that movie no (laughs) let's face it because mark hamill gives you one look doesn't say a single word i don't think he earned a high salary for that one but yeah, I think I, he was like it was it was something substantial where he was like more than everybody else basically. Well, it's the same thing with Robert Downey Jr. for the Marvel movies. Like they know where the bankable oh, yeah. star is, and they put a truckload of money in front of them to get them to do the movie. Yeah. Not to go completely off topic, but he was also a genius when he wrote his contract in for a percentage of the Avengers. Oh he, yeah, he gets percentage based pay. I, I want to yeah, say the first Avengers movie made like seventy five million dollars for it. So yeah, yeah, he had a brilliant agent on that one. Um, but back to what I was getting at is they 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 could have afforded John Williams here, and I think John Williams just said no. I'll wait till episode eight. Um, and Brian, you probably know we are getting John Williams for episode eight, are we not? 
I'm fairly positive we are, yeah. Okay. So I mean, that's I, I usually one of the last steps, got... like, during post-production is doing the score, so we probably won't hear anything specific or confirmed until, okay. you know, mid-next year. I thought he said he was done with Star Wars. He said that prior to Force Awakens, and they got him to, for Force Awakens. Yeah, I guess you just start enough money at him. And that's exactly what I mean, is they couldn't do that for this one? I mean, one. at this point, he has to complete the next trilogy. Yeah. I really feel like Star Wars just needs to recycle his music in ways going forward when he decides to be done completely. Or he dies, God forbid. Well, I mean, they've got the established themes that he's done, so there's ways to like weave new music in and out of those established themes, which I thought Giancchino would do. But I guess, since most of those themes are tied to characters and events from the original trilogy, none of which really show up in this movie, it's hard to repeat a lot of those themes. True. I mean, we get well, the Imperial March, obviously, because it's the Empire and Vader shows up, and you get a little bit of, like, the good guy. You get, guy. like, a, a, an altered version of the Imperial March, too. It's not even, like, the true Imperial March. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could work anywhere you see bad guys. Yeah. But I, I, I think moving on, I'll go, since Mike was talking about his problems and we're talking about problems, my biggest issue with a scene in the movie... um is the sniper scene where Cassian and Bodhi are on the cliff and they're looking down at the platform and he has Galen or so, you know, he sends Bodhi away and he's going to assassinate Galen and he has Galen in in the sights. And in the same exact sights, you can see director Krennic standing right there. And Cassian does not even make a second thought about killing Krennic. He doesn't look at Krennic for a second and say, hmm, maybe taking him out would be better than taking out Urso. He doesn't give that thought. And to me that says he is either A, entirely misinformed for somebody that is a such a crucial part of the Rebel Alliance, or B... He doesn't, he, he, it's one of those things I struggle with with this, but he he either. One, here, from a a story standpoint, I don't think he knows who, he has no idea who that guy is. He has no idea who Krennic is, how important he is. At that point of the story, they have no idea who that guy is. His orders are to take out Galen. That's all he knows. Right, but at the same time, does he not know that that uniform on an Empire officer, means that he is a high-level director within the Empire. He might think he's... I mean, he might be able to deduce that he's a high-ranking official, but he doesn't know that he's the guy in charge of the Death Star, the weapon that they're trying to destroy. So he can't make but the connection... But why else would he be meeting with the, Galen Urso, though? Right, he's coming to meet with Galen Urso and all the engineers that work on the Death Star. I mean, I see the logic they, they is there. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. It, it's one of those things... It, it bothers me because it just... Like, it detracts a lot in my case. I, I, I was hoping somebody could buff me back off of this one, because it, I don't necessarily want him to kill Krennic there, but I wanted him to have the thought when he's actually, you know, because that's a very conflicted moment for Cassie, and he's trying to decide, do I, should I kill Galen, should I not kill Galen, and, you know, because he doesn't take the shot, and he's very concerned. He's going through all this, but at no point does he even give a single thought to, who's that guy? 
you know, if we, if we assume he doesn't know who Krennic is. Maybe he's just so conflicted he's not concentrating on anybody else or anything else right then. I can get along with that. Okay. He's too distracted, we'll put it that way. That might be the only explanation sort of, I'll accept, I guess. Sort of, like, that same scene, I sort of have a different twist on it, is I don't understand why he didn't kill Galen. Like, I don't understand why he made the decision not to kill Galen. Up until that point, him and Jin have been arguing so much that you'd think they'd never get along, and suddenly he's doing a favor for her for really because no she reason. Had just, well, she had just told him everything about Galen and what he did for the Rebel Alliance by creating the trap. Um, but he makes no mention or Star. gives even an inkling that he believes her. But that's where so he why suddenly when the... he's got him in his sights that he suddenly starts to question everything? It seemed like his mind was already made up before that. Right, but when it actually comes to pulling the trigger, life's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, but they the the whole point of him killing his ally early in the movie makes you think that he shouldn't has hesitated that for anything. He killed a friend um, earlier in the movie. That was his introduction. That wasn't a friend, that was a contact, you know. Either like, way, that that's was somebody that was going to get more him killed. And he knows he knows more about that guy and knows a little bit has a little bit of a rapport with that guy as opposed to Galen, who he's never met and is just a target in the scope. One of which he doesn't believe. That guy was going to get him killed if he if he doesn't kill him. Cassian's going to die right there because because of that guy if he doesn't kill him. With the same logic, if he doesn't take out Galen, everybody dies because the Death Star kills everybody. Not if what Jin said is true. But that's what I mean. Like, there's nothing leading up to that so point he, that even gives you an inkling that he believes her. Well, th but that's when he starts to question it. If he showed some sort of moments of hesitation during their conversation, I feel like I could buy it more. That's when he starts to question it, though. It is when it comes time to actually kill someone, when you have information that may mean that they are actually trying to help you, and you're not sure if it's real or not, and it actually comes time to pull the trigger... That's when you're going to start to have the questions. When you're leading up to that point, it's like, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And then you get there and you're like, this is harder than I thought because I'm not so sure about this now. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm still, I still have a hard time buying that, that turn. I've never personally killed a man. I don't know how <laughs> difficult it actually is. But I assume that when the time comes to assassinate somebody, it comes down to that decision of... Is this the right decision? You had like as an individual, not somebody that's blindly following orders. You're going to question whether or not you should pull that trigger. Well, that's what I mean. Like up until that point, there's no like if this was his first kill, like okay, this is Cassian's first mission. I'm sending you to kill this guy. Now I can see him hesitating. But the fact that they established early on he has no hesitation for killing people, that that doesn't it. it the, the turn seems unwarranted to me. Especially since he makes it a point to talk about how he just follows orders and does what he needs to do and doesn't really question why they're doing what they're doing or why they're telling him what to do what they're telling him to do and how morally gray it might be. <laughs> right, but I mean, he has to have that conflict at some point. Otherwise, when the time comes for Rogue One to assemble, they wouldn't. That's what I mean. Like, I, I understand it needs to happen for the story. Like for the for the plot to move forward, that that turn needs to happen. But building up to that, I feel like they could have better done a better job to do that and set the stage for his conflict and turn to make more sense for the story, not just like something that needs to happen for the plot to move forward. 
Okay. If he goes ahead and shoots Galen, the movie's over. I was actually Is expecting it? him to... Well, okay, fair point. I was actually expecting him to shoot Galen, and I thought that would drive the wedge between him and Jin that they'd have to resolve by the end of the movie. Like, I, I wanted to see that happen. Okay. I thought that would add more of a conflict and given more of an interesting story moving forward to fracture the team right when it seems like they're all coming together. Um, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, I, I I wouldn't want to have wanted that because I don't feel like there was time for them to come together. Yeah, I mean it 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 makes a different a difficult story because then you have to fix everything within a set you know two hour time frame, which doing yeah. something that drastic. You might need more time than that to resolve something like that, but still, from my from my angle, that was sort of where I was wanting to see where I thought it was going to go. I was actually surprised he didn't take the shot. But I don't know, Ramona. I mean, you want to weigh in on this? I feel like me and Mike are going back and forth a little bit here. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, really, <laughs> I don't have anything to say on this subject. It could, I, to me, it could have went either way. I don't really think it was a necessary point in the movie. I could have seen him taking the shot and maybe missing or something like that to maybe make it a little more real. But the, the thinking about shooting the other guy or I don't know. I kind of I like like Brian said that he was set on his specific mission. He was a soldier. He was doing what he was told. I understand that you can also like think as a soldier, but I I don't, I don't know. I don't think it would have. I, I to me it doesn't. It to me it really doesn't do anything to the plot if he shoots somebody or not. Okay. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> oh. that, that's, like Brian was saying, that's the point at which he decides to stop following orders. You know, that's the point at which he says, okay, this order's wrong, and not every yeah. order they're mm-hmm. going to give me is one that I should follow, which leads to them joining Jin when she decides to go yeah. to Scarif anyways. I mean, so that, yeah. I mean, that's the necessary plot point part of it, but I... I just, I don't know, I personally feel like the conflict within him is just brought on because he starts to think more. He has time alone to sit there and think about what Jin had said and rationalize it for himself without the other's input. Maybe he just got the hots for Jin and he didn't want to kill her dad. I, I sure. believe that more than him questioning orders and thinking logically about how to save the day. Yeah, I I the only way for me that that makes sense is yes, he's somehow starting to feel for Jin and doesn't want to again drive that wedge I guess between them. So if I if I saved your dad, I'll get on your good graces and get in your pants. It all comes down uh, to sex. Perhaps. I mean <laughs> that that's that's another possible scenario for it. I, I like to think of Cassian as a more noble character than that. Yeah, um, and that's probably, the, I think, the point they were trying to get across. That he was... shot a dude in the back. He's not <laughs> noble. That's the start of the story. He started out he being that. He shot a dude mm-hmm. in the back. That is the most cowardly thing to do. Okay, and so Han shot first, too. Han shot first. <laughs> they're trying to give you the character arc. Okay. You gotta start at the Come low on. point to bring him around to the other side by the end. <laughs> Yeah, I it, it's he very much is a Han Solo character. He's not the same character in you know the aspect of humor and the aspect of the way he acts and everything, but he is a Han Solo character that has all these bad qualities about them, 
but that manages to redeem himself with his good qualities. Mm-hmm. And I'll go along with that. I, I, I think that is a very important part. A very important, important point to make. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to move us along just because I think we're getting caught up on it. I feel like this is going to happen a lot. Every topic we talk about, we're just going to get caught up and dragged <laughs> on for like 20 minutes. So I'm going to try to try to move this along. Uh, you guys each sort of said something you were nitpicky sort of and questioning about. So I have my own that I sort of want to bring up and see what we think about this. I want to see if my story logic uh, follows here because I think there's a story logic gap. And I'm going to try to explain this as best I can. If I lose you guys or get confused, let me know. I'm lost. Okay. I'm going to start over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, okay, so there's a point in the movie near the end. Um, Bail Organa and Mon Mothra have a conversation before everyone leaves for Scarif. Mon Mothma talks to Bail about trying to get Jedi help. I assume mm. they're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Yeah. And then Bail mentions that he's going to send someone he trusts to try to recruit said Jedi, which yes. I believe we're led to believe is Leia. Of course. Um, correct. Yeah, help me, Obi-Wan she, Kenobi. She. You're my only hope. Yeah. So he said, "She, I trust her with my life, which I assume is Leia. So yes. wouldn't you think at that point that Bale would send Leia straight for Obi-Wan? Instead, her ship is caught up in a rebel capital ship that shows up at Scarif, and she does nothing the entire battle but sit in that ship and wait to get plans that she had no idea were going to get beamed and transmitted to that ship by the end of the battle. Oh, I see your plot hole. They weren't that logically planned. makes no sense to me. Okay, the Battle of I Scarif, would say, she, would have, she should have been on her way to Obi-Wan right then to pick him up. I would say that she was, but then because of the battle at Scarif, they diverted to join the battle. But They heard about it and they the said... That blockade runner is not involved in the fight, it's sitting in the docking bay. Right, but it, who's to say that she was sitting in that the whole time and didn't just transfer to that when the time came? I mean, are we assumed to say that, that the entire crew there was just sitting on their laurels waiting to leave in that? Or that they so were actually saying, actively wait, participating wait. with the battle? So wait, let me see if I follow your cruiser. logic, and I want to make sure I'm on the same page as you. The blockade runner is then just part of the capital ship, so you're saying they sent Leia on the capital ship and not the blockade runner, and the yes. capital ship was diverted from going to Obi-Wan to the battle. Mm-hmm. Well, she perhaps was on the capital ship... And maybe preparing to leave to go to Obi-Wan. And instead went to the battle because there was a battle that needed to be taken place in. Because rebels were out there But again, it's not like dying. she's a military commander. She's a, she's a diplomat. She has no business being in a military action. And if they are being diverted to the battle, at that point they should jettison her ship and say, you go pick up the Jedi we need for this fight that's un- upcoming, and we'll go deal with the crap that's happening at, Sp- at Scarif. Um, perhaps, but that's also assuming that she knows exactly where Obi-Wan is. I don't think we're ever led to believe that... I mean, Bale knows he's in hiding. He even says specifically he's in hiding, which I'm assuming means he knows where to find him. He would have to, because he was part of the... He was was one of the three that was him, Yoda, and Obi-Wan. Yeah, and that was the whole reason A New Hope opens above Tatooine, because Leia is trying to get to Tatooine for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, I mean, I, I, I can accept that. Um, I still, 
I don't know. I, I, I think her presence at the Battle of Scarif is that, you know, she wasn't the only person and the only reason that they were there. She's and... a diplomat, but she's also a rebel. I understand that, but it's not, again, like, the capital ship is the one commanding the battle. That's what the, the, the Mon Calamari guy is, is doing. Uh, that, that, that is his ship? Guy. That is his ship? That's the way I gathered it, yeah. Admiral, what's his well, face? Well, then, the then, then what I said is perfectly explained. <laughs> the green because... skin Admiral Akbar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, when Mon uh, The, the Mon capital Rachma ship, not the blockade told... runner. Right, but I'm saying like she that that blockade runner is at that time part of the capital ship, and she is told that what's his name the Mon Cal guy. That's what I mean. Um, I can't remember his name. But, Green yeah, Akbar. Yeah, Green Akbar Green, works. Yeah, Green Akbar. They're told Green Akbar has diver. They they say it in the conversation that he has diverted and headed to Scarif. He's gone to battle. They ask, where's he at? And he's gone to battle. So perhaps Leia was on that unwittingly. And he said, well, sorry, we're going to Scarif. That's true. Like, rebels are dying. They need us. And then they find out they're trying to get him plans. And he said, hold up. Hold up, bitch. You stay here. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I I will buy that explanation. She's on the ship. The the captain of, of said capital ship makes his own decision, does not inform anyone else to divert. Hey, maybe they beamed her up there. And then oh, wait. Wrong store. <laughs> <Wrong> store <laughs> show. So then they show up at Scarif, and Leia's going, this isn't tattooing. What the hell are we doing here? I could buy that. But again, and, I mean, yeah, not I to know. mention, it, yeah. it, okay. the capital I'm, ship I'm wouldn't be headed for Tatooine. I mean, because they would not, even at that, Bale did not tell anyone. It, it, since we're assuming he knows... I guess we do know. I actually think now that I'm recalling, I think when they have the conversation that Obi-Wan says, I'll take the boy back to his family on Tatooine and Revenge yeah, of the yeah, Sith. Yeah. Okay, so Bale knows they're on Tatooine. Uh, so I don't think he would tell anyone except Leia where to go or why. Leia would be going to Tatooine without the rest of the Rebel Alliance knowing why. He didn't even tell them who he was sending to Tatooine. Right. So yeah. when he figures, Green- he already knows that Luke is Leia's is you know Luke, Leia has a brother, he knows that yes. already too. Which is why he wouldn't tell anybody because he say Obi Wan's no longer yeah. alive. He doesn't know that Obi Wan's alive still. He's hoping. Yeah. But that's why he hope. So so <laughs> so Green Akbar has no Green idea Akbar, that. <laughs> what's what's happening or why with Leia being on the ship. He doesn't know what's going on because they wouldn't give up the position of Vader's child. Yeah. You know, like, they they wouldn't give up the position of one of the last two known Jedi in the universe at that point. You know, they're not going to do that, so he wouldn't have any information about that, and he would just be like, we're going to Scarif. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... Yeah. That's probably the best explanation I can think that you've given that sort of covers what I'm thinking. Cause I've that story gap logic wasn't fitting for me. And the only reason I felt like she was there in that ship is just so we get the end tag of her getting the plans and then going off into space. And then you cut to a new hope and you're right where you left off. 
Sure. In my mind, there was no reason for her to be there other than like, I'm going to get these plans. But again, at the same, at the time they showed up to Scarif, they just thought they were defending a team to leave the planet with the plans. They didn't know they had to beam them up to the ship and then hand them off to this other guy to give it to this other guy to give it to her to then leave See, on that ship. See, there was beaming. There was beaming in this. It was radio <laughs> waves and all that stuff. Data files. Well, yeah, I mean, the other thing going on what you said, though, is also draws a little bit of a hole in the beginning of A New Hope. In that, you know, Vader is right there and watches her take off. Oh, yeah. You know, with the battle plans. Watches her ship. And she still tries to play dumb. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just a member of the Imperial Senate. I'm an ambassador. No, you're a member of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. And it's like... I, I get why in A New Hope it's you know necessary for the storyline at that time, because this story wasn't told at that point. But neither one of them would be playing dumb about anything as to why Vader was there. She wouldn't be able to play dumb. He just watched her take off, and we assume he immediately then... I mean, how far behind her would he have to be? Like, how much we time are we assuming... We have to get back to his ship. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. How much time are we assuming it elapses between the end of this... And when he catches up with her in Tatooine space. Yeah, not a lot. I'm saying an hour or two. Tops. Uh, well, I also don't know how far it is from Scarif to Tatooine. <laughs> Tatooine's on the outer Get rim. the galactic a map. Longer. Get out the ruler. Okay, three. <laughs> Wait, I'm just saying, from what I've... A lot of what I've read in, in whatnot, sometimes this travel can take longer than they make it appear in the movies. Um, well, yeah. Uh, you know, like the movie magic, especially going to the outer rim and places like that, it can take a couple of days, even at light speed. Um, I mean, if they go to plaid, though, that's when they get real fast. <laughs> Ludicrous oh, speed. It. Wrong movie again. Wrong movie again. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! The spaceball one's gone plaid. It's gone the plaid. <laughs> <laughs> gone plaid. <laughs> You can tell I'm getting really tired because I'm starting to get delirious. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to start moving along here. Uh, all right, so we talked about Vader a little bit there. So we're going to talk Vader. about Vader's scene. I want more Vader. So you th- Okay, so the little bit we had of him wasn't enough even that last scene? It was scene. good. It was awesome. It, made, cause it does piss me off because it made me want more. Oh, yeah. Like I just I just want a Darth Vader movie now. I, just, I, know, just wanna, I want a Darth Vader movie where he just wrecks shit all the whole movie. And that's what we just, talked about before good. with the trailers is that's exactly what I wanted to see, what we wanted to see. Was if Vader shows up, it. he just he just wrecks shit. Because mm-hmm. there's no one in this unit. Well, not this in this movie. Again, because there's no Jedi. There's nobody that can compete with Vader. He's on a power level above everybody. Well, even at this time, there's still nobody can. Right? Yeah. So, you well, know, when he gets in that corridor at the end and the lightsaber ignites, I was like, "Oh, they're gonna cut away," and then it just kept going, and I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Yes, I mean it, the idea of Vader just plowing through a bunch of grunts is incredible because we <laughs> have not scum, got yeah. to... <laughs> yes the rebel scum it, we've never seen that before in any way you know i mean yeah. think of vader's battles in the movies you get luke you get obi-wan you get you know the emperor and you get like one shot from han that he just kind of like bitch please get out of here with his hand <laughs> which he also does in this scene by the way if you didn't catch it yeah um, yeah you know, he has the guy on the ceiling, cuts him, throws his hand to catch the blaster. It, oh, my God. It, it It's everything you wanted to see Vader do in about ten seconds. 
Yeah. You know, just, it's yeah, about ten enough. seconds there, and Vader just. I don't know. I actually wanted to, and I forgot to take a count on how many he goes through there. Um, it's got about, I heard, about 10 I heard people. That, I, it was in the 20s, I heard. Really? Yeah. It, it was a lot. It, it, because there, there's several there. So, my one buddy really counted. Notice. He said it was like 22 or something, like a 21, Jeez. 22. Uh, I guess I gotta watch it again. Yeah, well, there's a, like, I, I think Mike's right, because there's a number of them you see go down when he's just deflecting blaster bolts. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then he grabs blasters. Oh, my God. It's just, it's so incredible. Um, that scene alone is worth the price of admission. Yeah, when that comes out on, you know, DVD, Blu-ray and everything, I'm probably just going to watch that, like, on repeat for a while. <laughs> and just take in every moment of it as much as I can. Because um, we probably won't get to see anything like that again. Um you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, with all the praise that that scene and what Vader has done in this movie is getting if we got a spinoff movie with Vader. The only problem with that is, like, the time period where Vader is present, they're covering a lot of that in the comics. And since all this stuff is supposed to mesh together and follow one timeline, I don't know if they'd make a movie with Vader when they've already covered a lot of that stuff in the comics. True. Maybe they'll just make a comic adapt adaptation. True. You think we get like a live action Marvel movies adaptation of the Marvel comics. movies? Yeah, yeah, they could. I mean, that's <laughs> something to look into for sure. And I, I did have one issue with Vader in this movie, and that was that James Earl Jones. I was not a hundred percent behind his voice performance. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I know he's like eighty some years old. Um, it did not. It the dialogue felt too quick. For Vader, I feel like Vader is a more thoughtful speaker. He's a more decisive speaker, and he has a lot more pauses when he speaks. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, that that a lot of that did have to do with the fact that it actually hurt for Vader to speak. I believe I have read this that Vader did not speak much, and he did not speak as quickly. And you know, he was very the way that he spoke had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, everything that happened to him wound up in speaking not being the most comfortable thing for him. I mean, to that do. can yeah, that can make sense. I can I can see that. And in this dialogue felt rather rushed in some cases to me. I could do without the Vader pun. Darth Vader does not make puns. The, yeah, the whole choking on your ambition thing. That line still doesn't sit well with me. It, it it sits okay with me, and it will once you read Tarkin the novel. Um, simply because it, see more in, punny in that I, novel. No, but I just finished it the other day. Finally, but one of the biggest points they make about Tarkin's rise to power, the Emperor's rise to power, is that their ambition was never to do what they did. Their ambition, like, you know, the the Emperor's ambition was obviously to dominate. But Tarkin's ambition was always just to do what was best for the Empire. He had no self-interest in it whatsoever. Krennic showing all this self-interest about where his position is going to be, all his ambition that's there, was working against him. 
Yeah. And it plays a big part in why Vader and the Emperor do not respect him. Because he's doing it for himself and not for the greater good of their evil empire. Okay. Um, you know, they respect his intelligence. They respect his ability to create the Death Star. Um, but not necessarily him as a leader or a person for, you know, that it was going to be any more valuable than having created the Death Star, and they were going to kill him anyways, probably. Yeah. Because, I will, after I all, they are the I Empire. do want to mention... I do want to mention that uh, I thought it was good that they sort of retconned the reason that the Death Star has the weakness that it does. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. that was always, like, something that people sort of poked fun at. Like, oh, you build this big space station, space station, then you put a big hole in it that people can shoot things at and blow it up. And this story well, explains that. Than a womp rat. It was, yeah. So, I, I like that they, that they explained that away, and now you have an explanation, a reason for that happening, and why that's there. So that was that was pretty cool. Yes. I mean, I, I love the way they explained it away. And I think that... It makes no you know, excuse they, why they can do almost the same thing to the Death Star, the second Death Star, but for the first one, totally well, legit. The, the, the second one, I say it wasn't completed, and they didn't do the same thing. They didn't fly down a trench and shoot into a hole. They flew into the reactor and shot the reactor. Still you know, kind of like, like another trench run, though. Similar, but it wasn't a complete Death Star, so they didn't have time to cover the hole yet, because the whole <laughs> half of it was a hole. <laughs> you know, like... But what it doesn't explain to me is Starkiller Base, and how Starkiller Base had this one weakness that's right on the surface of the planet, and they didn't learn from two Death Stars that got blown up. <laughs> that... Yeah, but they couldn't get into it. Remember? Even with they, even with the attack from the X wings and stuff like that, they could it, it took it took them blowing it up from the inside. It still happened, and it was still yeah, right still on top happened. of the damn planet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, like they could have you know put it under a mountain or something, you know the you know something that didn't make it so that they could just look at a satellite image and go attack there, and <laughs> <laughs> you know like I I I I, I just feel like. Having any one piece of it that can blow up the whole thing, they would have learned at least after the second time. Yeah, you would think. But the Empire is not the smartest thing out there. No. You'd think they would be. <laughs> uh, take over an entire galaxy. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to some characters. What do you guys think of all the new characters we got? Did you have a favorite? We ain't got them anymore, pal. Well, that's well, sort of going to be my follow-up. Are you surprised that they killed everybody? No. No. I was kind of glad they did. Okay. Kind of if, if they didn't, they would have to explain why they aren't present in the other movies. Well, again, like, you know, shit, people have their own shit to do. They don't always have to be involved in the main conflict that you see in the ma- in the original trilogy. So I could explain it away with just them being on a different mission for the Rebellion, doing something else at some other time, if they had survived. There, there was something more important going on than blowing up the Death Star. I'm saying they could be... Im- Involved in another mission or something else going on when everyone is called to fight the Death Star. I mean, for all we know, they go somewhere and get captured. Like, that could be a story to tell, if they wanted to. I prefer the martyr role for them. Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely seals the deal as to why they're not mentioned or talked about or seen anywhere else in the original trilogy. It's definitive. It's clean. Yes. 
It was expected. I wasn't sure if they were going to have the balls to do it, and I'm glad they did. I think it does work better that way. Um, Honestly, at the beginning of the movie, I had my doubts that they were going to kill Jin. Because there was just something there that said they may bring this up later in some way, because they give her a kyber crystal. Yeah. And I, you know, right at the beginning, the first time I watched it, I'm thinking to myself, are they going to throw some Jedi shit into this for her? Yeah. Because... It's a kyber crystal, so you know there, there's, there's obvious implications to her having that, um. But they didn't. They did the right thing. I think it's the right choice. I did not want them to do that, but it went through my mind: is are they going to? Um. As far as the new characters themselves. Yeah, while they I were alive, a... who did who did you like? I like them all, honestly. <laughs> I didn't have a problem really with any of them. Um, I will say that, you know, Cassian was my favorite among them. Okay. I felt like he was the most complete character, uh, most well fleshed out. You know, you got to know him the best. I, I, I really, you know, Jin, you got to know fairly well, but I don't think you quite got to necessarily the bottom of her motivations. Now, see, I think she had a better arc, and you'd learn got more out of her than you did Cassian. Like it's it's her story. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I just didn't like what was her motivation, and she's one to be a dick. Yeah, I mean, fight, fighting with the rebels. No, what, she what suddenly was her motivation? She, she's abandoned by her father, so she thinks the that he's nothing. You know, she has very low expectations or anything about her father. As soon as she hears that message, that's her turn. Like, her motivation changes as soon as she sees that hologram. Suddenly it's, I gotta okay. save my father, I have to clear his name, I have to do right by my dad. And suddenly she believes in the cause of the rebellion because he does. Okay. That's, you're, you're pretty smart there, Brian. Lady. See, I can pick up on a couple yeah. things. But, I mean, that being said, I, I, I feel like every character had that one thing. I mean, I... My, Eric and I had a conversation where we kind of disagreed on... He, he said his favorite new character was Baze, and... Who? The heavy I, weapons guy. Baze Malbus. The guy with the, the machine gun, Mike, you said you liked. Oh, yeah, I like that guy, too. Uh, well, <laughs> him and him and uh, Donnie Yen's character, uh, those are my two favorite characters. Yeah, I, figured, I figured Donnie Yen would be yours. Well, it, he cited the reason is, oh, but that gun was so badass. And I'm it like, was. <laughs> it was. And I, I just asked him, I said, well, tell me something about the character. <laughs> you know, like, you know, other, he kind of felt like a Boba Fett almost to me in that you didn't really get to know anything about him. He yeah. kind of had a little bit of Han Solo in him because he didn't believe in the Force. He didn't believe in any of that mumbo jumbo. Until the very end. When his, when his buddy. Yeah. Sure. Shit. Which, I don't know if you guys remember, I don't remember who was there, but there was the whole talk of St- uh, Star Wars Celebration with the Rogue One panel, and there was one guy who spoiled a character death. Yeah. The guy that plays Maze talked about, was talking about Donnie Yen's character, about how what he believes in it, and he basically just flat out said on stage, so when he dies, he totally picks up his belief and starts to believe in the Force and all this stuff, and flat out <laughs> said that Donnie Yen's character dies in the movie. <laughs> Whoops. Well, 
I mean, I went into it expecting them all to die, so it wouldn't wasn't going to make it, you know. Right. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter because they all got wiped out anyway. But at the time, it was really funny to just see him blab a spoiler and think nothing of it and completely carry on his conversation. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it. What I'll say with those two, you know, I love the brotherly love, the bromance thing they have going on. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, you got these two badass fighters that you know they have nothing left to fight for. You know, they, their home is gone. Jeddah is gone. Yeah. And they're just kind of like, all right, let's take it to them. And they can do it. Um, I felt like Bodhi was a very well-acted character. I felt like that guy did one of the better jobs in the movie. Yeah. Um, You know, you felt the emotion in that guy. You felt, I don't know the actor's name offhand. But Riz Ahmed, I think. That sounds right. Uh, you know, you really felt everything that guy was going through from the time he, you know, saw Guerrero's people capture him to the time that he dies. You see, he believes in what he's doing. He believes in what Galen told him. And it's, I, I felt a lot for that character, even though you didn't have a lot of in-depth interaction with him. Yeah. Um... All right, so your favorite you know, is Cassian. Yes. Uh, Mike, yours was Donnie Yen. Yeah, I think I I can't talk enough about K two. I loved Alan Tudyk's oh, droid. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. K two was, was incredible. Yeah. I the whole thing when like he was trying to impersonate capturing them, and then like he gives uh -huh. Cassian the backhand. <laughs> yeah. I loved everything about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're prisoners, and I'm taking them to imprison <laughs> them. In prison. <laughs> Quiet down. I'll be a yeah. fresh one if you mouth off again. <laughs> it's great. I, I love that they made a sarcastic asshole droid. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that that was something that was so necessary that I didn't even know it was necessary. Well, it's like, I, I think because like, if you ever listen to how like C-3PO would talk to R2-D2 in his beep-boop-bop-boop thing, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think R two D two was that sarcastic asshole, but we just never knew it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and we finally got like I I think he was a good combination of C three PO and R two D two. I think he was yeah. like the combination of both of them. Oh uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I'm see, I'm dude, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. it. I mean, yeah, just every moment with that with K two was just awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other, the other, who doesn't love some Alan Tiddick? I know. Yeah. He's, yeah. You know, he's a good one. Who doesn't love some Alan Tiddick? I want to, I want to see like some of his improv. Like there's gotta be a whole bunch of shit that he said that they just cut or didn't use. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be in the outtakes. Yeah. So I'm yeah, anxious to say, see a lot of those lines. There's going to be some K2 outtakes that are going to be great. I think I saw one meme where it was him talking about, I can't, it, it's one of those ones where he just drags it out for a while where it's like, I think he was talking about Cassie and he's like, you know, Everyone talks about you when you leave the room. And then when you come back, they stop talking. But when you leave the room, they, they start talking about you again. No one likes you. Like, that's just, that's perfect. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it, they really hit the nail on the head, I feel like, with every one of these new characters. You know, like, it, it just... I think every one of them was what they needed to be. Yeah. And... It didn't feel like they were missing 
an integral part of the team in any way. Definitely you know, had that sort of, uh, like, Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven type of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they, they all had their role to play, and... <laughs> they were the was, real Suicide was... Squad. <laughs> hey oh. That just came to me. <laughs> all over it. Um, the, the other one to talk about is definitely Saw Gerrera. I could have lived without it, to be honest with you. Well... The the thing with Saw Gerrera is, it's a very different character to me than what they portrayed in the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, I don't remember him being that crazy. So he wasn't remember him in the Clone Wars. So I vaguely, he takes part in the. Him. I went back and actually watched the arc again um, recently, and he takes part in the uh, rebellion against the Separatists. Uh, on Onderon, where they're kind of training the insurgents they're to like the farmers fight the and droids, stuff, basically, right? Isn't it Anakin um, and Obi Wan training like farmers and stuff, or is that a different? This was Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka That's training. Right. It, they they were already in insurgency. Okay. Um. Th- this was the Jedi saying they would not out right help them fight the war because they were viewed as terrorists by some members of the Senate but that they felt they had to help because they were fighting against a true king of Onderon who was being supported by the Separatists and everything like that and he plays an interesting role because he's kind of the leader of their rebellion at first until his sister becomes the leader but it, it just didn't feel like the same Saw Gerrera from one to the other. Well, I guess but, some of the headlines I saw recently was that Saw's going to show up in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's got to connect the dots a little bit better between that I think and so. this and Rogue One. Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely will. Um, I, I, I love that they gave Forrest Whitaker the chance to say it's a trap. <laughs> and he did it very well. I loved it. I loved that they cut off K2 when he went to... Yeah. Yeah. Say, I have a bad feeling about... Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that was great. Um, they, they touched on all the things that a Star Wars movie should as far as lines like that go. Yeah. And I, I, I like that they made sure to include that. Um, and it saw as a character I felt like was a... <sighs> I hate to say it, it, it was entertaining, but I felt like it was... I don't know. I I wasn't entirely on board with how it went. What do you with mean? Him being, how it went? I with with them portraying Saw as batshit crazy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. I don't know. I I wasn't as thrilled with that. Do you think that was a story decision, or you think that was a Forrest Whitaker decision? Oh, I don't know. If he just started playing it crazy, and they're like, you know what? It's Forrest Whitaker. Just just let him go. He's fine. I mean, I, I like the parallels between him and Vader. Um, you know, more machine than man. The sound when he breathes makes the same sound that Vader does. Yeah. I, I like the parallels they were drawing there, but I just didn't understand why. And I don't feel like they ever went more than the whole, you know, just physical part of it. Yeah, I feel like they could have explored more there and really added some depth. I feel like that's your hook and bait to watch Rebels. 
It's like, hey, remember this movie, the <laughs> character you saw in Rogue One? Well, if you want to learn his backstory, here he comes on Rebels in two weeks. Yep, and I'm sure it'll be like a two or three episode arc. Yeah, I don't know how many episodes he's in. I hope it's more than one. Is it is it Forrest Whitaker doing the voice? <laughs> I highly doubt I that. Doubt that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they could afford that for the Disney XD uh, show. Yeah. But it is Disney XD. It is Disney, though. It's all under the same roof. I think a Freddy Prince Jr. I mean, that's, that's got to be about <laughs> the same price, right? <laughs> Either that or they just tricked Forrest Whitaker into recording a bunch of stuff for Rogue One that they're like, oh, no, that that's totally for this, and then they're just going to use it. They're just going to loop Rebels. all the dialogue from Rogue One and use it in Rebels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I meant the outtakes. Like, they were like, oh, no, this is a scene. This is totally a scene for Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> he records it, and he's like, wait, that's... That showed up in Rebels. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, so one thing I was thinking about after... Because some of the trailers for this movie, I didn't... Well, I guess the last trailer. I didn't watch because I was like staying away from shit until the movie came out. Uh, so I went back and actually started watching some of the trailers. Do you guys realize how much stuff is in the trailers that was never in the movie? Mm-hmm. That's, I, yeah. I see that. I keep seeing that on Facebook a lot. It's, like, it's a lot of the gripes that... There's so many things going on that were never... Like, there's two scenes in my mind that stand out that looked awesome in the trailer and I really wanted to see on screen, and they never happened. One is, I think it was the end of the first trailer, when Jin, Cassian, and I think the majority of their group, she has the data tape in her hand, and they're running across the beach, and the walkers ahead of them, shooting down at them. Yeah. she They never make the ground after they get the data tape, so that was cut and changed. Yeah. And the second one is, I think, from the second trailer... Where Jin's walking across the catwalk and the TIE fighter mm-hmm. comes up and looks her dead in the eye. Yeah. Like, that would have been awesome to see, and I wanted to know the context of that, and that changed. So, do we think that's the reshoots? Did the reshoots fuck with the end of this movie? I bet it did. All the well, concern heard, everybody I... had over that, and then, you know, they all came out and said, no, 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 reshoots are a normal part of the movie-making process. We're but not changing there anything. Was, there was a rumor that I heard that there was, they were actually, there was an option for a second movie. It's still in Felicity Jones's contract. Yeah. She is optioned for a second movie. Well, I don't know how they're going to make a fucking second movie now. I mean, they could always do like a prequel if they wanted to. The how prequel. Jin got in jail, in Imperial Jail. Oh, I, I wouldn't see that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound exciting. <laughs> no. I'm just... It's the only thing you could do. You can't go forward, so you have to go backwards. Well, because she's fucking dead. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Ain't going forward. That's what I mean. Well, my thoughts on that are anything that means less action with AT-ATs is bad. <laughs> so whatever they did that meant that that scene of you know on the, at the beach with the AT-ATs, whatever got that cut out of the movie, bad. <laughs> um, it just because it's more action with AT-ATs, that could be awesome. Um, the Tie Fighter scene, I feel like that was gonna be like. A hijacked TIE fighter. Yeah, that was my theory, too. Um, but I feel like they cut that because they just did that in Force Awakens. So. Uh, yeah. I, I, that one I'm okay with just because it just happened. Um, but the less AT-ATs is not good. <laughs> yeah, so I, guess, I don't know whether any of that stuff will be in, like, the deleted scenes for the movie or if we'll hear about any of that stuff later. Actually, I think... If I remember right, going back to Pablo Hidalgo, who's part of the 
story group for Lucasfilm. He's very active on Twitter, so a lot of times I think if people have Star Wars questions about the movies or anything, they tweeted him and he'll answer them. I'd seen some tweets where people were asking him specifically about scenes that were in the trailers but not in the movie. And he basically said, talk to me in a couple weeks. So I think he's waiting for people to see the movie in like early next year. If people start tweeting him questions, he might actually be able to answer why that scene isn't in the movie or why stuff got changed. Um, so I'm actually anxious to see what the what the answers are to some of that stuff. I don't know whether it'll be newsworthy if if it's something we'll try to cover later on in another episode. But just for anyone that's curious, you could follow him on Twitter and see if he answers some of those questions, and maybe we'll all get some answers. Um. So I don't know whether we want to. You guys sort of talked about it earlier, sort of where you fit this movie in your in the Star Wars catalog, where you'd sort of rank it. Um, I'm, I think, sort of with Mike. I think it's more in my, or the, Mike won. So I'm sort of with Mike <laughs> one. I think it's more in my top five and not necessarily my top three. I think it's hard. I think Empire and Force Awakens are still up there for me. And A New Hope, I think, might, well, no, I might, I don't know. It might be top three. I might be able to put this in front of New Hope because I think this, the pacing's a little bit better for this movie. I think the action helps move it, move it along a little bit more. It's so hard not to put New Hope in like the top three, just because it it is the one that started right. all of this. So it's hard not to. And I understand that, but I think after watching this, like if you watch these in order, you watch Rogue One and then go to New Hope. I think New Hope is going to feel very slow. True, but I mean, I still look I, at this way. Look at the shit that they did with the technology that they had back then. That they they made that movie. Oh slow. yeah, I full respect for the original Star Wars. Like nothing to take so away from I them. can't. I can't cinematically. I just can't put it ahead. Just because of that. Fair enough. I mean, at this point, me, I, I'm the one that says top three, so I'll define here. Um, <laughs> for me, I honestly, I go with a more pragmatic view, I think, because A New Hope to me is, let me see, because for me now it's actually Empire, and then it's either this or Jedi oh. as number two. Um. I'm not I, like I, I'm calling that a tie in my mind right now. I'm not willing to dedicate <laughs> definitely number two for this or definitely number three, but two and three are this and Jedi. Four is Force Awakens, and five is either Revenge of the Sith or A New Hope. Ooh, um, the prequel sneaking sneaking in there. Well, they, they, don't get me wrong. They, you know, Attack of the Clones is dead last. <laughs> Menace is 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 next to last, and that is defined until they make something shittier. Um, <laughs> Star Wars but, Christmas special, <laughs> the, the, the holiday special, holiday special. Yeah, <laughs> it, we're all um, about to celebrate Life Day pretty soon. It's going to be epic. The the reasons for my lower ranking for A New Hope are that. I didn't necessarily. It's 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 really hard. Like, I feel like the reason that A New Hope gets put high on people's lists is more nostalgia than it is quality. Um, it, and it's not, I'm not taking back from you know the originals, the the quality of the movie as a whole. I just think they've done better jobs with others. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it's. I think they've done better jobs all around. Revenge yeah. of the Sith goes high for me simply because we get a much more in-depth story. 
yes, we still have Hayden Christensen, fuck, and Natalie Portman. I will argue okay. that the problem is not with them. It is with George Lucas, one, his directing actors, and two, his script writing. That's where I put uh, okay. the blame, not on the actors. I'll go along with that. Natalie Portman's proved that she can act. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, right, but uh, Natalie Portman, I'll give you. But I've had this argument many times, and every time I come back to the original choice that they could not secure for those prequels was Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Are you well, telling read me the these scripts movies said, this do is not crappy. get... But are you, te- one way or the other, are you telling me these those movies do not get exponentially better with Leonardo DiCaprio over Hayden Christensen? Okay, I'm not I think, saying... I, I think when's the last Leo time Leo could, made a bad movie? No, I get that. I'm saying, I'm thinking with the lines of dialogue that he, Leo would have had to say, and having a director that is known for not directing actors at all, I don't know how much... Like, Leo would be better, but I'm not sure if it would be exponentially better. Well, the other thing is, do you think, really, Leo would have looked at a line of dialogue and not said, uh, listen, I'm gonna change this to make it work? I don't, I don't know how much because leeway Because I can't say it had. that way. If you get you Leo, he has leeway. You also gotta think back, too, that's Leonardo to crap. We're talking, like, we're talking, what, early 2000s? So that would have been after was... Titanic. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, never mind, I take that back, huh? Because <laughs> Titanic um, was ninety seven, Phantom Menace was ninety nine. That's true. Yeah. Right. So he's already huge. So never mind. <sighs> it, I'm saying it's just a what if scenario. I'm just saying those movies get a lot better with him. So it, it there there was problems there with the first two and the writing and the directing and everything. I agree, but I. I'm moving on to what I was saying about New Hope. <laughs> yeah, the prequel discussion I, I, has to wait to another time. We can't get bogged down in the prequels. Yeah, the, the, the reasons why I feel like this movie, Rogue One, ranks so high for me is that, one, this is the first time I felt like I was actually watching Rebels. Um, okay. I see that. You know, you, you have the Rebel Alliance in the you know the original trilogy, and yeah, it's a rebel alliance made up of a kid who, in my biggest issue with the whole damn thing, is that why the hell does Luke even join the rebel alliance? What have they done to him to push him to want to join other than Biggs being up there already? Um, you know, because it, let, let's face it, yeah, they kill, you know, Owen and Baru, but he wants to join the rebel alliance before that happens. And we don't get a de- definition of why. Yeah. The reason that he joins the Rebel Alliance is because they're dead. They're out of the way for him to join the Rebel Alliance. He wanted to before, but he wouldn't leave them because he felt obligated to stay and help. Actually, now that they're dead, it opens that door, so he goes. Actually, I'm going to argue that I don't know if Luke wanted to join the Rebel Alliance at all. I think he just heard of the rebels. Like, cause the scene I'm thinking of is when 3PO says, you know, they were in the, yeah. you know, basically battling the empire and he gets real excited. Like, Oh, you're part of the, you know, rebellion against the empire, that kind of thing. I don't, I think he's just craving action because he I'm wants, pretty he sure. He wants off Tantooine. He doesn't want to be a freaking farmer. Right. And it's, it, you're led to believe earlier. I think he even mentioned it about his friends going to the Academy. It's not a rebel Academy. He's talking about the Imperial Academy. He was almost ready to be a stormtrooper. 
He just wanted, like Mike said, off the farm. Any way sure. he could get it, whether it's action for the rebellion, action for the empire. I don't think he believed in a cause until Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru were slaughtered by stormtroopers, and then that's that's the switch that I'm I'm they killed my family. I'm going after the empire now. And Obi Wan said so. Well, yeah. Um, I I I still don't necessarily. I feel like okay. So we have Luke, who is that. I'll I'll give you that to some extent. I still feel like we don't get a good definition of why. We don't get a thorough relationship between him and, you know, his aunt and uncle that really makes you feel bad when they're dead. Yeah. Um. But it, the, the rest of the Rebel Alliance is a guy who doesn't want to be there and his furry buddy, um, a princess... You know, the, the people that we're dealing with here. Yeah, the Rebels themselves um, are secondary to the main characters of Han, Leia, Luke, Chewie, all those, like, the main guys we follow in the re- original trilogy. The stuff that right. the Rebellion is doing is all in the background as they do their important character things. Right. And I feel like this was the first time I felt like they were Rebels. It was on the ground. It You got to see oppression. Of the Empire. Okay. You got to see what they're actually out there doing to people that is causing them to take up arms against them. Yeah. You see they're destroying this beautiful city in Jeddah, you know, and they're putting people in prison camps. They're, you, you get to f- a real feel of why. Yeah. In this one, and I feel like that's incredibly important for the series as a whole. It sets the stage better um, for the original trilogy. Yes. And, you know, if we watch them in chrono- the way they happen in the timeline, that would be how you'd watch it. You'd watch this one first, and then you go to the original trilogy and have a little bit better background to what's happening in the original trilogy, which fits. It works. I Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yes. Um, and, I don't know, it, it, it just had more of the things you want to see. I think, than A New Hope did. Force Awakens, that's another one that, 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 you know, that might be another, like, two, three, four kind of mix mix and mash up. (laughs) Um, But But you are putting this one above Force Awakens in your list. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hedging on Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Jedi. I, I don't think I have a true answer yet. Okay. Um. I think before I really decide on Force Awakens, I want to see the rest of this trilogy. Um, yeah, okay. You know, because they they can ruin Force Awakens for me by screwing something else up down the road, you know? Yeah. If we find out, you know, something ridiculous about Snoke or Kylo down the road, it could really screw up the way you view the first movie. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think but, currently, I think Force Awakens is still above this one for me. Yeah. I think I think there's just something about those saga movies that I think they feel a little bit more epic. Oh, definitely. And I think I think that sits a little bit better with me. But I do, you know, all the stuff you're saying about this one, I agree with, and I I really did enjoy it. But I just I I I don't know. There's something about Force Awakens that still for me, I get more enjoyment. I feel like watching Force Awakens than than this one. I think you're supposed to. I mean, th- this ends just like Empire on a very 
you know, it's an up note, but it's also a down note. Yeah, you but Empire's still my favorite, like whether it's a down note or not, Empire's still the best one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I've met anybody that makes an argument against that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you know, and I, I, I keep hoping for them to make a better movie than Empire. Um, you know, I'm not going to complain when it happens. If it does, yeah, I'll be glad to watch it over and over again. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I don't think. My point though is, I don't. I think Empire is definitely the best, but I don't think there's a lot separating the other. I don't know. What are we on eight total now? So I don't think there's a lot separating the other five. You know, they, there's separation for Empire at number one, and there's separation at that bottom end. Yeah. But I think the other five are pretty darn close, in my opinion, altogether. I don't see, you know, like, enough difference to really flesh out a list and say, that will always be my list, you know? Right. Um, uh, Romano, do you have anything you want to add for this movie? I feel like you've been a little quiet over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked it. I don't really know. I mean, you guys are—you guys have really hit a lot of good points that made me think. Now, like I feel like I have to watch it again now. <laughs> hey, I'll go for another <laughs> Cause, viewing because I've only seen it once. Uh, you know, as compared to these guys that have seen it like fifteen times. Twice. I've gone twice so far. Just I, two. Don't lie. You've gone more. Just no. <laughs> just two. I wish it was more, but just two. I got a so, lot of time no, off coming was, up from work. It could be more than that now. See, but well, that was—that's the thing with this movie, though. It's like. Like, when I saw Force Awakens, the first time I saw Force Awakens, I was like, I have to go see it again in a theater. This, I'm like, I can wait till it comes out on video to see it again. <laughs> I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I don't, and then that's what I even told Jess. She goes, well, do you want to go see it again? Because I don't know if she wants to go see it or not. Yeah, yeah. To her, she can wait till it comes out on video. It doesn't matter to her. Yeah. But I was like, I want to see, unless, like, my dad probably wanted to go see it, I probably will wait till it comes out. I mean, and I will buy it. Yeah. When it comes out on video, of course, but I, I can, I can wait until it comes out on video to see it. So I mean, I don't know if that's any, I don't know, any justification of, of, or I don't even know, if, uh, validation of my <laughs> thoughts on it, or I don't know. I have no clue. But I mean, I liked it. It was a good movie. I, I still, I mean, I, I guess, I, I still, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not as a, an in-depth Star Wars fan as you guys, and. I when I see Star when I think of Star Wars I just want, I want to see lightsabers and I want to see Jedi and Sith. Yeah. So I mean, that's where good. the that's where the saga movies come into play because that's what yeah. you'll get from them. Yeah, and that's yes. that, those are that's why this is because the prequels are always at the end. We know that, and that's because that's it was a funny thing because at work we were doing like a uh, a whole bunch of us we were given you know like lists like put lip ranking our our movies from one to eight. You know, from the best one, and it, it, like without fail, every single one of us had the 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 prequels at the end. And um, this one was like in varying spots. Mine was number five. It's it's still I I don't I can't put it above the original three and Force Awakens. I just can't. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. And, and but like in the bed, like Mike said, you know about like a lot of people with a new hope. They say they put it up. You know, because nostalgia, and I think that's really what it is with me too. Is it's just nostalgic. Because yeah, it's, it's the one that started it all. It was not number one. I can tell you that. It was number. It was number four. So for you, number four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I, I, I went Empire, Empire Force Awakens. No, Empire Sith. Ooh. I mean, Empire Empire Jedi Force, and then Star Wars. I'm surprised Return yeah. of the Jedi is so high on your guys' list. I don't. Uh, well, I think it's probably because like that was like my Star Wars movie, the one you grew up watching all the time. Yeah, uh, the the between Empire and 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 Jedi, those were the ones that I grew up with because you. Know, a New Hope came up. I wasn't alive. Yeah. So, and I was, and even Empire was, I was, because what Empire came out in what, 82? 80. 80? So yeah. I was, okay, fine, I wasn't even around with Empire then. <laughs> yeah, Jedi was 83. 83, yep. so that's the one I would have probably more remembered. But, I don't know, that's why that's why that one was up there. Okay. I guess. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, overall the, the movie was, was good. The acting was was awesome I'm glad they finished I'm glad they did what they did you know killed everybody off cause I, w- I, I there's no way you could have made a sequel to that movie yeah like, I was waiting to see like unless, unless they tried to drag it out which would have been even it, that would then I would have been pissed yeah if they would have tried to drag it out so I think I would actually they would have probably dropped to number 8 it's Rogue One Part 1 <laughs> yeah yeah, we, we, we talked about that actually at one point where we said no they're gonna make a Rogue 2 yeah <laughs> you know it, so do you think this thought sort of just occurred to me? But Rogue Squadron, like that's got to be the call signs in in honor of what these people did at this battle, right? Yes, Possibly. yeah. Because they use the red call signs when they attack the Death Star, which takes place pretty much right after this movie. But by Empire, they're the Rogue Squadron. Yep. Yeah. Because of the big victory that they got from the Death Star, from the plans that Rogue One had done. Yeah. Okay. Well, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. I didn't think about that either. I like it. Um, I think we've hit pretty much everything I have. Mike, you had a couple other things you wanted to hit. Okay. I think we hit about half of them. You said something about you want to talk about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Did you want to talk about more than what you mentioned before? And then I, I, I think just you brought him up that to... you wanted to see him instead of you're thinking of him instead of Tarkin. Yes, I feel like that could have been a replacement that they could have gone that route um, to have Grand Admiral Thrawn there. One, it would just be nice because we've seen Tarkin before. As awesome as Peter Cushing was, we've never got to see Grand Admiral Thrawn in a movie. Yeah. So to see them flesh that out would be nice because he plays such a huge role and it's so important to note something like that to give you a better idea of the Empire, that, you know, he's, like, the only non-human to attain that kind of rank within the Empire. It gives you more of a sense of what they're about, you know, and how terrible they actually are. You know, like, you add in that part of it, too, where they get kind of that... uh, I I don't want to say white supremacists, because they're not really white supremacist view, but they're very bigoted view. Yeah, they're they're very bigoted view of the universe of humans being superior to all their races. Um, Or species. I don't know how how you would qualify species, I guess, is the best way. Um, Yeah. And I, I think that's a good, you know, way of looking at it, and exposing more about the Empire, but it's also, Grand Admiral Thrawn is just, he's an awesome, badass character that 
I really hope we get to see in movie form at some point. Um, yeah, I get the feeling they're going to explain him away in Rebels, because he has shown up in Rebels, he's a part of this season. They're, they're definitely going to explain, I would assume, what he's doing and why he's not at that battle, or heavily, more heavily involved in the Empire around the Death Star. Like, he's got to have his own agenda and his own thing to do. It could even be as simple as he's been he's going to be tasked with taking out Kanan and Ezra. So they know Thrawn is on his tail on their tail. So they leave. Thrawn chases them, which frees up Hera to go to this battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and even not even just like in the other end of it is he didn't necessarily have to replace Tarkin. He could have replaced Krennic. You know, like in, yeah. in skip. You know, he could have replaced either one of them, and it would have been fine. Um, but that being said, yeah, having him hunt down Kanan and Ezra would make a lot of sense. Uh, and that's why he's not theirs, because he's chasing down these last Jedi. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a high five if that happens in Season 3, Rebels. I'll give you a high five, too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, a clean, crisp high five. There you go. <laughs> um, Just like Deadpool would give. I also think something to <laughs> note that still, I think, could have appeared here. Could have been something somewhere somehow got a reference to the Inquisitors or why we don't see them any further at this point. Um, just because it, you know, they're they're the one thing that's taken place in Rebels that seems like a really glaring absence that would have been around, you know, during the time of the tri- original trilogy, if not for X event that means they're not, you know, whatever. Well, I think it's more. One, I think they're trying to keep this movie, again, sort of clean of Jedi or Sith or any of the the Jedi hunting type stuff. And two, the only people that know about Inquisitors are people that watch Rebels. So the general moving-going audience that suddenly goes to this movie and Inquisitors start showing up, they go, who the fuck's this guy? Why does he have a lightsaber? And why is Darth Vader taking orders for, you know, why is he giving him an order? It would confuse a lot. It would raise more questions to the general movie-going audience than they need to. It would, it would pay off for people that watch the cartoon and go, oh shit, yeah, that's the guy from the cartoon. But I think if if I think they're going to leave those types of characters in the cartoon for people. I don't yeah. see Inquisitors popping up in live action anytime soon. The only way that it could is after Episode Eight if they uh, if they introduce the actual Knights of Ren. The only way I could see it happening. Having what Inquisitors in? Yeah. You think like maybe they? You think there's give them a, a way to like somehow link link the two. So you think Inquisitors are like the next step to the Knights of Ren or somehow related the, to Knights the, of Ren? The Inquisitors are, are the next step to the Knights of Ren. Okay. Like that's what they base themselves off of. Right. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I mean that's just that's the only way that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. That's if they even introduced them in in episode eight or nine. Yeah. But I think episode yeah. nine would be way too far away for that to happen, so I think it would have to be eight. For it to be tied to Rebels or anything like that. Right. Well, I wouldn't well, be I surprised that's... when Rebels ends, like, that they do a cartoon series based around the 30-year gap between Force Awakens and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So they could even have either Inquisitors or the Knights of Ren show up or be alluded to mm-hmm. in the next cartoon series that they try well, to do. So there could be no Jedi in that one, though. Yeah. Well, so that's going to be weird. Well, well we, still, we, we still do not have an explanation of what's happened to Ahsoka. And we or don't Kanan know how and long her race lives. Right. 
and yeah. she's like the any, any one one of those three can you know, show up somewhere consistency. in Consistency, you know, Clone Wars to Rebels, you know, we're kind of really just following Ahsoka's life. <laughs> you know, like what's she been up to? Well, she's back, and then she's gone again. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think speaking of the new movies, it's an interesting point to note that there was not a single tie made whatsoever from anybody in Rogue One to anybody in Force Awakens. And I think oh, there were so many a... theories that Jin Erso was the mother of Rey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. I mean, they, they... yeah. Nope. I actually, I was one of the people that thought they were going to do that just to have the ties made, you know, do something. But see, that just I makes the universe feel small. That everyone is suddenly related to everyone else. It's kind of what they do already, though. Like a lot of people kept, they look at a Cassian and go, "Oh, that's Poe's dad," and stuff like that. It, that wouldn't have bothered me, but <laughs> it, you know, it, it's all a matter of, you know. We are where we are, and I, I don't mind that they didn't connect them. I don't think there was any need to. It just might have been interesting if they had. But I have no issue that they didn't. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it worked well for what they did. Uh, Mike, I got a couple other bullet points from you. There was extreme attention to detail and cameos. I don't think we covered either of those. Well, it, what I was thinking of with the extreme attention to detail was just the little things they did at certain points in the movie that just kind of put it over the top visually and also with some of the characters. Um, it, like One of the things that jumps out in my mind is the Adat walking through the sand and them actually showing the sand pile up around you know the base of the foot of the Adat. It was very intentionally shown that way. Um... Another with the AT-AT is the one AT-AT you see has a hollow center where troops could be shooting out from it. You know, like almost like an attack helicopter has, you know, turrets in it and things like that. It's just a different little piece that they add to it. Um, and it, it, on the other end of things is just noting that they, you know, having watched it three times, I started paying attention to little things. Um, <laughs> it, you know, you see in the beginning of the movie, Krennic is not yet director Krennic. He is just Krennic. Um, and if you notice the rank tiles on his uniform, he simply has six blue pieces on his uniform at that point. Later in the movie, yeah. when he becomes director Krennic, he has another six red underneath that. So they actually took the time to make note of he's not at his peak rank yet. He has not earned them. The other one to note is that Moff Tarkin has six blue, three red, and three gold, indicating that he is a Moth. Um, and I find that interesting because he's also, at this time in the movie, he is Grand Moff Tarkin, but... In the novel, that is a title that is actually reserved for the Emperor to use for him. Uh, the Emperor creates the title Grand Moth solely for him. And he, the Emperor and okay. Vader are basically the only two people that know of that appointment. And he is more of a 
incognito third in power within the Empire. Um, it's an interesting thing to note that, you know, like, that's why they call him Governor Tarkin, is because he insists on not being called Grand Moth. Yeah. Um, just so as to not make it known. Um, it, it, there, there was a lot of other, you know, just little things that you notice. And, you know, Warwick Davis showing up in his character, you know, to me that's part of the cameos and also part of the attention to detail at the same time. Because they're saying, you know, these are people who have contributed again and again to our movies and we're going to make sure they're a part of it. Yeah, I I, I think I read somewhere that Ryan Johnson has a cameo in this movie. He is one oh, really? of the, the Death Star technicians that fires the laser. Okay. Like next the next the uh like where the laser actually shoots down the tube, he's one of the two people yeah. that like shield their eyes on that one platform okay. that's no that has no railings, like they could just walk off there and die. OSHA would not be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's no railings in the Star Wars universe. They don't they they have pits all over the place with no railings. It's just not good. This is true. Um Thinking of that, that actually brought up one of the other issues I had with the movie. Um, at this time in the Star Wars universe, the stormtroopers and the the general military infantry that is operating for the Empire would still be clones. Correct? No. No? No, the growth acceleration in the clones, they'd all died out by then. Rex and a couple of his buddies are the exception. Yeah, they talked about that in Rebels. I thought they had continued make. I thought the the whole con conversation they have in The Force Awakens is about why they went away from those stormtroopers being clones. That they, I thought, I don't even know if they mentioned, but I, I, I'm the explanation I was I've read or seen somewhere was that by the time A New Hope starts, the clones have died off. They've the growth acceleration. Over the twenty years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, they they get too old and die. And by the time A New Hope comes up, that's why they have Imperial Academies everywhere, is because they're recruiting fresh new troops. And that's why the stormtroopers suck because they are recruits and not clones. Okay. So I I it, there there's a lot of conflicting information there. I think because if you listen to the conversation between. Hux and Kylo in Force Awakens, it definitely sounds like they're saying that they were still clones. They mentioned... No, he, said, no, they, they, he said, what, do you want a clone army? Yeah, he mentioned like, maybe... Like, maybe a jab at the clones. Yeah, maybe Snoke would want to prefer a clone army to your, you know, trained soldiers that aren't doing their job. Right. Meaning, like, we'd... we'd re- they Almost like they'd reinvigorate that program if, if Hux's okay. soldiers aren't fitting the bill. Okay. All the same, it it doesn't necessarily alter my point, um, in that when they go in disguise into Scarif, into the... They take the uniforms off them and they go into disguise. Um, Are we really supposed to believe that nobody notices that Jin, this tiny little woman is in this baggy costume and is very obviously a woman when the Empire would not have had a woman doing that. 
See, I found it more apparent that the guy that Cassian took a uniform for did not have a beard. He goes in the ship and then comes out with a beard and walks past people that saw him get on the ship in the first place. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, but at the same time, he's an officer, he's a man, he just walks right along. But to me, the little five-foot-three like woman the... is like... Because I feel like I watched for that the second time, is that the uniform she takes, the guy, the person, whoever is wearing it the first time, is very short to begin with. Okay. So I mean, it's just I... like tall-wise, I think, I think that sort of fits. I mean, it, it just—it's very obviously a woman in there. Is what I'm saying. Like, if you like, I watch for it again, and it's very obviously a woman walking to the ship. Like, either that or a Body man language. built just like a woman. What I mean, you can tell the difference yeah. in like it, it, it. I don't know. It just seems like very conveniently. Suddenly, working. the trooper has boobs. Yeah, and also. <laughs> Speaking of that helmet, finally you get an explanation that it has a little visor that comes down so that they can actually see what they're doing. Um, yeah. I never understood that helmet in the original trilogy. Uh, but move on to the cameos. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that and then we'll probably wrap up. Because cameos are fun. Did you have a list of ones that you wanted to go through? Like, I can think of, like, maybe one or two that we haven't mentioned. The dude that's wanted in 12 systems. Yeah, that was the one oh, that yeah. stood out to me. The death sentence on 12 systems, yes. <laughs> uh, that, that's a good one. Um, I, I would count the, the blue milk in the beginning as a cameo. Hell yeah, they got a picture of blue milk, man. That's It's in that, the Urso awesome. homestead. Uh, did you have more, Mike? Well, we do see Chopper. Um, I did watch for that again, the third viewing, and it definitely is Chopper that appeared. I thought the yeah, second okay. viewing it wasn't, but on the third viewing it definitely is Chopper. Um, <laughs> so that's an interesting little piece. Um, well, that definitely puts hair then, because Chopper's part of their group. Yeah. Just just more confirmation that it's that group of people. Um, I'm thinking that, that there was a couple others that I'm... Go ahead with any that you were calling them. Maybe I'll jar my memory a little bit more. Um, uh, I think that was all. Like the one that stood out to me was the one that other Mike mentioned was the the death sentence on Twelve Systems guy and his buddy Walrus Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like you either. <laughs> yeah, or I don't like you either. Whatever. Um. Oh, we also see the same droid from the original Death Star walking through Jeddah. Uh, the one that has kind of like the oh, yeah, yeah. teardrop shape. Oh, head. 3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. We a, a gratuitous cameo to make sure that they have once again appeared in every single Star Wars movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is nice. I Actually, I, I, I like that, but I, I I didn't feel it was necessary, but I get why they did it. Yeah, um, just keep the tradition alive. Yeah, because now it's no Palpatine has not appeared in every movie anymore. And it's just them now. So, well, I guess Palpatine didn't appear in Force Awakens either, so never mind. That ended there. <laughs> Doesn't appear in A New Hope either. True. Isn't he? Oh, yeah, that's true. Hologram okay, that he first mind. appears in his Empire. Yeah. 
And have you ever seen the original of that, by the way? Ooh. Yeah, it, it, off the top of my head right now, I'm I'm losing cameos. <laughs> I, I'm off the top of my head. I'm see. We should have made a list of cameos. Yeah, I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's that's probably where we'll wrap it up. I think that's a good place to end it. Sounds uh, good. Overall, I think we're all pretty much in agreement. This is a good movie. You should be seeing this movie if you haven't already. We're seeing it multiple times. That we've done that. That's cool. Do that too. Support Star Wars because we all love Star Wars. We want more Star Wars. Go see Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, all right. So that's it for our review discussion of Rogue One. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please stop by iTunes, leave us five star rating and review. Uh, be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show to keep up with us. Uh, you can also keep up with us on the Facebook page. You can go to www.facebook.com slash superfriends Like, comment, leave us questions, all that good stuff. We'll get back to you. And I guess by the time this comes out, it will be after Christmas. But, I mean, on behalf of Mike, Mike, myself, and everyone else that's been on the podcast, I hope everyone out there has a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you all next year. Talk to you next time. Bye.